Them Fancy Dinosaurs is recorded in front of a live studio audience. Hello, and you're listening to Dead Fancy Dinosaurs, the shit-talking podcast with movies, TV shows, and pop culture. I'm your host, Kyle. And hey, it's Nick, and we're here with our show. And this episode, we're talking about crappy movies, B-grade movies, or, as our guests like to call them, unappreciated masterpieces. With us today, we have Spit and Polish Podcasts. Hey, guys. Hello. Welcome. Oh, hello. 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 <laughs> okay, so... We're, we're all yeah. here. Yeah, we are. It's me, your boy, Bartek, and that's <laughs> Ryan over there. No, I'm Ryan, and the other one's Bartek. Is that right, Bartek? That's you? Yes, but right, but you're Ryan, you're Ryan, you're Ryan, and I'm and I'm Ryan. Or, and not to be confused. With are Ryan. we all the Ryan podcast? Welcome to the Ryan podcast, where we talk about Ryan's. <laughs> all right. Um. Yeah. What? Oh, <laughs> no, I'm about? just wondering how how are you are you coming in all right on your mic? So we'll um, am I coming in all right? Yeah. Uh, uh, Is he? Which one was he again? He's blue. Yeah. I can't remember. That one. There we go. We're just trying Speak to get you to a bit us. higher. Speak to <laughs> yeah. us, Bartek, from the grave. Yes. Hello, listening people. Oh, there we go. Hello, there listening go. people. That's a bit better. I'm good. Yeah, everyone's all right. Okay. Ray. Everyone's yeah, good. right. You're just all right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you guys have your own podcast um, where you have unappreciated masterpieces. Well, yeah. Yeah, that's that's what we do. We've had you on <laughs> yes. to talk about everyone's favorite unappreciated masterpiece, Red States. Yes, a fantastic movie for all ages. For all ages, yeah. So basically <laughs> on our show, we do weekly show where we talk, uh, do audio commentary tracks for unappreciated masterpieces, the films that seemingly don't deserve a commentary track. The movies like Red State, the movies like Big Fat Liar, basically all of Frankie Muniz's filmography we've covered. <laughs> Basically all of it. Uh, the whole four films, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah, we just talk about them in the ways that most people probably don't talk about them. The ways of more positive talk about them. Like, you know, does this film merit a conversation? Is this film art? And most of the time it is. They are. They are all art. Some yeah, people like might say, hey, hey, is Boss Baby art? <laughs> and we say that got Oscar nominated. So yeah, it yeah. is. Weirdly hey. enough, weirdly enough, all 140 something have been the greatest films ever yeah. made. Not all the greatest. Yeah, Boss Baby also got that TV show. So, that, you know, that's legit right there. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had to pick the correct one on Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we have that, and uh, we have our monthly show too, where we uh, talk about mystery movies, like movies that we have found at op shops. Oh, <laughs> uh, I've done that before, like gotten a few cool ones. I remember yeah. that one that I picked up where it was um, a guy built a suit. It was more of a doggo, but he built a suit to fight a bear. Okay, <laughs> Project Grizzly. Yeah, Project Grizzly. We that was hilarious. One called the Rise and Fall of Baal, which was uh, <laughs> a local Jehovah's Witness congregation decided to make a movie and um, didn't provide any context. <laughs> <laughs> outside of because it was made specifically for their congregation but that's hilarious somebody gave it to an op shop yeah. and i found it ryan ryan's <laughs> contacted one of them and the person is very confused about who in their congregation sold this dvd to an op shop so if you're into a bunch of polish guys talking about movies that they randomly found at the op shop as well we do that too yeah <laughs> awesome well you guys it's so great to have you here thank you so it's great to be, be here a wonderful episode all about yeah. b-grade movies crappy yeah. movies Good, yeah, bad so movies. <laughs> good, bad movies. The good, the bad, and the terrible. GBMs. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys understand the difference between A and a B movie, and then further on, yeah. B, C, D. I'm still confused by it. It's, it's <laughs> a tricky road. Sometimes it's subjective. Sometimes it is pretty <laughs> objective. 
Um, yeah. If it usually has the name Roger Corman on it, it means <laughs> it's usually a B-grade movie. Um, <laughs> so what defines a B-movie then? Like, what um, really, what is it? Just the style, the, the it's themes? It's production quality, yeah. um, distribution quality as well. Like, if you see that it is distributed not by a major Hollywood studio or okay. Bollywood studio, like, if it's made by, like... Tim, who lives at home studios. Yeah, like if it's made by like some porn studio, then they've released a uh, movie okay. as well. It's probably not. So does that mean like, say, average Joe film director makes this movie and then it gets picked up by a big distributor? Would that not make it a B movie anymore or what? Sometimes, sometimes. Yeah. I mean, when you look at Reservoir Dogs, that's a B movie. Yeah. But that's made by one of the greatest filmmakers yeah. currently living, right? But yeah. that's a B movie. It was an yeah. independent, small production movie. With a B story, like with a B B movie premise, which is you know that the very B movie is also very genre based as mm-hmm. well. Like you usually have rubber monster attacks town, <laughs> or criminals very want fifties kind of thing. Yeah, or criminals want thing. <laughs> if you if you if you've played the game uh, Destroy All Humans, you can unlock a full B movie yeah. from watching it's a uh, teenagers from outer space. Yeah. Or. If it's Jerry Seinfeld decides to make a movie about bees, it's a B movie. <laughs> I, was about to, I was about to say, let's not get confused with the Jerry Seinfeld cinematic That one B movie. Yeah, so I don't know. It's, I think there's just a lot of qualities. And then when it gets to C and D grade movies, it's just the lower the quality no, is. Usually it just goes like A movies, B movies, and then Z grade films. Yeah. So yeah. For the ones that you really want to insult. Yeah, well, exploitations. Remember back in the golden age of Hollywood when it first began, it was mainly the B movies were the ones that followed the first movie in a double feature. Yeah. So mm-hmm. like the B side of a record. Yeah, yeah. And then also around that time we had our um, exploitation films, mm. which was, you know, movies that Hollywood were too taboo for Hollywood to do. So mainly independence, let's say. Edward. Night of Living Dead. Oh, Edward. <laughs> now that's, that's an interesting. I love that movie. <laughs> the real life guy is interesting too. Though. Yeah. yeah. Plan 9 from Outer Space was just a Glenn cinematic. Glenn or Glenda? Oh, oh, sorry, I thought we were talking about Night of the Living Dead. <laughs> no, Night of the Living Dead. Real life guy? <laughs> we move on George so far. Yeah, George Romero of Night of the Living Dead is a good example too. Like yeah. that's incompetence though because Night of the Living Dead right. is one of the... playing with the levels. Oh, okay. <laughs> like they just... The um, you going to play with my levels? Yeah, <laughs> I have been. <laughs> um... <laughs> No, Night Living Dead's a great example because that one could have been an A-grade movie, but on a level it's B-grade because of the production quality, but also because George Mero didn't know about um, <coughs> getting trademark registered and copyright, so that's why <laughs> you could literally right now stop this podcast and just play all of Night of the Living Dead and not get any copyright infringement because yeah. it belongs to no one. Ooh, it's yeah. in public domain. Same hey. with It's a Wonderful Life, and that's a Hollywood yeah, movie. Geez. They, they gave up <laughs> copyright because I, it was I, a box office bomb. I <laughs> bought both those DVDs from the same store, and I think everything they sold there was just public domain DVDs. Yeah, so. <laughs> That's also where I got like Story of Ricky and uh, I Spit on Your Grave from. Yeah, so and UHF. UHF. So, yeah, B-movies, I don't know, it kind of fluctuates. Some people also consider some foreign movies to be B-movies because they're not popular in the West. So, yeah. like, Hong Kong action movies consider to be B-movies, but are they actually B-movies? Because in Hong yeah. Kong and all that, they're yeah. the A-movies. <coughs> Same with, like, Godzilla and stuff. And yeah. Japan, yeah. Or any Bollywood movie ever made. <laughs> <laughs> Even though they're, like, one of the most popular, like, movies 
on the face of the earth. Yeah, yeah exactly. Well, because yeah, in, because Bartek in Asia, and his mum goes sees them at the <laughs> and then all the time. But, also, but in Asia, like in all all the different countries, see them and they have yeah. large populations. So of yeah. course oh, yeah. they're popular. India's population. And then is like what about like three billion Netflix movies and stuff like that, like Stan or something? Yeah, the, that's the thing. That's the thing. It's hard with yeah. those because uh, the B grade, A grade thing is blurring a lot more. As well as getting more defined because it's the logic of everyone can make a movie now. Yep. And the idea of, you know, TV movies being lesser quality than cinematic releases is kind of blurred to especially TV. TV is getting more cinematic. Like you can watch an eight hour movie basically with TV and Netflix is doing that with their movies. Like mm -hmm. they're getting real directors or real upcoming directors like Roma Oscar yeah. nominated and Steven yeah. Spielberg's like no don't don't let Netflix no, get nominated don't, don't get Netflix get nominated I'm the guy who made Ready Player One I know what art is yeah I was really confused about what Steven Spielberg had an issue with because oh. I never thought it was about how much money a movie made or where it was screened oh. I thought it was just about art oh it's because he's now plugging um, iTunes, Apple's Apple. iTunes uh, streaming Apple service yeah. yeah so he's yeah, a hypocrite but I love that Netflix is a shark on that <laughs> Netflix is a really interesting stand and all those and Amazon. Yeah, even YouTube to an extent. Like YouTube, people, yeah. yeah people, people are making actual grade, A-grade movies on what are considered to be the lesser platform than yeah. the cinema. <laughs> which, who goes to the cinema anymore? Yeah. Unless it's a Marvel movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, YouTube original Cobra Kai was one of the first things to get 100% on Rotten Tomatoes last year. Yeah. 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 It was awesome. Yeah, it was just a great series. Yeah, yeah but now... Um, celebrities have now realized the potential of youtube and people like will smith and jack black you jumping just on say there will, smith. <laughs> yeah, yeah. will smith i love that it's like hey um <laughs> hey did anyone watch youtube's rewind last year yeah, the most hated video on youtube yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like hey it's my favorite youtuber will smith no, it's, Welcome. It's, it's he does have a youtube channel yeah he, he does but the, the problem because jack black has one as well right but his one's funny yeah <laughs> not, not just that like with will smith's one it's you can see that there's production behind it. So he's probably got a full team yeah. of YouTubers or whatever, editors and stuff doing all that shit. Jack Black, it's just him and his son doing it. Yeah. And so it looks crap. <laughs> the whole conceit of his one is he's like, I'm doing a gaming channel where he doesn't actually really play any games. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a creative conceit where Will Smith's like, Yo, I'm on a film set right now, and I'm gonna jump out of an airplane. And like that's <laughs> yeah. the twenty-minute crossovers, video. all this stuff, yeah. <laughs> all the EQE and whatnot. Yeah, well, with um YouTube's monetization and partnership program, when you have over a certain amount of subs and like views, they actually give you their studio to use. So it's mm. one of their. It's the million plus. It's really weird. So, but he doesn't even need that. Well, Jack no. Black got like a million subscribers in his like first day. <laughs> I would love YouTube. to see a YouTube original movie. That has both Will Smith and PewDiePie in it. Oh. I would love that. Where Yo. PewDiePie, Freddie got fingered. That kind of movie. <laughs> that's, I should put that on the B grade movie list. Like that. That movie's. I would love a Freddie got fingered type movie where Will Smith is is PewDiePie's dad. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so he's dealing with PewDiePie having to make a movie oh, with God. with with their version of the Will Smith <laughs> in that universe, which is just Martin Lawrence, <laughs> the other bad boy. I would watch that movie. But yeah, B-movies, man, they're, they're hard to define, especially even now. Like, you can look back at 1950s things and you go, oh, that's a B-movie. Yeah. That's an A-movie. Okay. This one has Humphrey Bogart in it and this one doesn't, right? Like, <laughs> that kind of thing. But now it's getting harder to, 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 to define because you have B-movies made by real great filmmakers and actors and you go, wait a moment, 
The Snowman has Michael Fassbender. It was produced by Martin Scorsese, made by the guy who makes Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, yet it's one of the worst movies. Yeah, it was and it's a, a B-grade it a movie. terrible film. <laughs> so it's just getting blurred, which yeah, I honest, kind of love. To be honest, I, I don't really use or hear people use the letter-grade uh, label on films these days anymore, except if you want to insult something by calling it Z-grade. Yeah. <laughs> or unless you're from Asylum Pitches. Oh, yeah. Your entire marketplace is B-movies and rip-offs yeah. of current films. Mm. <laughs> and... Superhero movies have a lot to do with it too because superhero movies for the longest time were considered the B-grade movies, you know, like you had your Batman, the movie, and the Superman movie kind of broke that a little, but then you went back to, you know, Daredevil and the Hulk movie and it's like, yeah, they're made by A-grade studios and whatever, but they are considered to be kind of lesser movies, like, you know, these are children's silly superhero, but now superhero movies are considered to be high art, Yeah, even though it's always a laser (laughs) in the sky. Yeah, and the really guy depends. shaking his fist going, I want the power. Yeah. <laughs> See, I was talk- talking to Nick the other day when I was watching um, Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm like, I just, it feels B-movie-ish, kind of like And the that's because it's stuff. made yeah. by an exploitation director who mm, made B-movies yeah, for yeah. the greatest B-movie producers, Troma Films. Troma. Uh, okay. I love yeah. Troma. Slither. A Slither. Yep. <laughs> Super. Yeah, Super. porn without sex. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I love that one. Yeah, see, that's different too because Disney went on the, the limb of let's hire a B-grade director to make an A-grade product, but he still made it with B-grade sensibility. So that's yeah. why when you watch Guardians of the Galaxy, you have this weird kind of like, wait a moment, what? Yeah. But then you get Suicide Squad, where Suicide Squad is by people with A-grade sensibilities trying to replicate a B-grade sensibility, yep. and it just doesn't work. It's all right, James Gunn's doing Suicide Squad now. And yeah. Guardians Galaxy yes. 2 now. He's doing it all. Hopefully he doesn't blur the lines between the two. It's like I dead shot. Oh, shit. Wrong movie. <laughs> I would love it if Chris Pratt is like, what are we, some kind of Guardians of the Galaxy? <laughs> 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 and then Will Smith's in the background. Yeah. I, I just love that love too. love how fast Disney folded like laundry. It wasn't too fast, but it was fast enough. Not, f- oh. not fast enough for me. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Definitely. Well, it was because the only person who wanted to touch it was, um, what's his name? Oh fuck! Oh, the director the of X Men. Oh shit! Brian Singer, yeah. everyone's yeah. favorite Singer. Um, active Oscar-winning director. Yeah. <laughs> the man whose film won the most Oscars at the Oscars recently. Yeah. yeah. Bohemian Rhapsody, <laughs> in which every speech didn't mention his name. No, because he's a con- now almost convicted pedophile. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> is he actually is he actually still listed as the official director of the film? Of course, of course, because okay. he directed like seventy percent of the movie. I thought they gave it to whoever did the thirty <laughs> percent. <laughs> Could you imagine that? Just having it taken away from you in an instance, like actually, no, that's not yours. No, yeah, I feel like there'll be legal ramifications for that. Like you would have, you would still have well, to get credit. You know, even though you know he may have directed it, it's still the product of whoever owns it. I don't think it'd be legal consequences. It'd be like liar, liar, pants on fire consequences. <laughs> what Jim Carrey's liar, liar? Or? <laughs> yeah, that was a good B comedy. How yeah. dare you? It had Jennifer Tilly in it, and that means it's an. We watched that in Year Eleven religion class. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Because it taught us about lying and how sometimes you need to lie. Sometimes the pen is blue. <laughs> well, yeah, I can see why, like, in a religious class. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sometimes it's okay to lie. <laughs> yeah, and sometimes it isn't. But yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, all that stuff's blurring, especially with everyone getting more accessibility to watch movies. Mm-hmm. Everyone's mentality of, oh, this is B-grade. This as well. C-grade, yeah. yeah. And let's be honest, the horror genre has always been where B-grade has 
yeah. primed itself, but horror movies today are all B-grade movies yeah. where it's like we filmed it for $4, <laughs> we strapped a camera in a corridor and we got a nun to jump out and it made 50, <laughs> like Blumhouse, Blumhouse Productions, they're the ultimate B-grade people, but they win Oscars for something like Get Out it. and Whiplash. Right, did, did you put a Wish Upon on your list? I did put Wish Upon. Okay, wish Upon's good. one of the greatest bad movies that's come out recently, and yeah. if you haven't seen it, you haven't lived. No, I haven't. Well, Blumhouse is fantastic because The Gift was one of the greatest movies I've seen in a long time. I love The Gift. And then they just take everything and they they focus on a single genre. Yeah. And that's why they can refine it and make it so much better. then they do something like Whiplash that has nothing to do with the horror genre. Yeah, that was uh, pretty strange. And it it wins an Oscar. Horrible experience for the person involved. I love Whiplash, but like... They win Oscars, right? Because they do uh, B-grade, let's be honest, B-grade all spawned in the art form that we know it now due to one individual, and that's Roger Corman. (laughs) Do you know about Roger Corman? No, I don't actually. Roger Corman is the ultimate producer. Like, he came out in the 50s or whenever, and he made really small, weird, independent movies for really cheap budget with no-named actors or up-and-coming actors with simple premises that would make people want to see them. So sci-fi movies. So he's responsible for something like Little Shop of Horrors. The original Little Shop of Horrors was the quickest made movies. It was like filmed in three days, out in the cinema in the next two days. So like five, six days, it's already done and out. Jack Nicholson's first movie. Okay. Jeez. And Roger Corman does this all the time. He doesn't believe in art. He believes in profit. So he makes all these movies. (laughs) And the one time he believed in art was the one time he didn't make money back on a movie. Yeah. <laughs> it was called, if you can watch it on YouTube. It's called The Intruder. It has William Shatner in it. It's the one time he tried to make a genuine movie, lost money on it. So you get someone like Roger Corman who made the first iteration of the Fantastic Four. Yeah. And it's actually still the best Fantastic Four wow. movie. It yeah. reminds me of um, what's that German guy's name that does all the video games? Uwe Ball. Uwe Ball. Uwe Ball. Yeah. He does it for ta- he does it for tax dodges though, yeah. right? <laughs> and he never films this. He, he doesn't do retakes. And I heard no, so no. he'll never do a retake. <laughs> he'll and film then, something. He's like, that's it. And neither did Ed Wood. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, and you have Ed Wood. But yeah, Roger Corman's like the business guy. Like he's yeah. like the guy who does it all business. All pleasure as well because <laughs> movies are pornographic sometimes, but then they're not. And then sometimes he can make a good movie, but he doesn't want to because it doesn't give him any profit. So that's when yeah. you get someone like Jason Blum. Jason Blumhouse is basically doing the exact same idea as as Roger Corman, but now we have better equipment, so that means it's better for everyone yeah. involved. So that's why you get movies like you get Get Out, but then you get The Gallows yeah. right after, or Truth or Dare. Blumhouse's Truth or Dare. Yeah, Truth or Dare was good, but not good. Um, right. It was interesting to say. It was Creep. Creep wasn't Blumhouse, was it? I don't remember. But yeah, so you get people like Roger Corman paving the way for hucksters like Jason Blum to exist. But <laughs> I love Jason Blum. He's one of my favorite guys because I respect him so much. He's such a businessman. Yeah. And you just take it to the next level and you can just, just put as many fingers in as many pies as you want. Yeah. Like, and then all of a sudden they're like, oh, by the way, Unfriended 2 is coming out next month. Here you go. And it's like B-grade stuff so interesting because you think about <gasps> One of the most prolific directors, for good or bad, M. Night Shyamalan, right? <laughs> the, six, the, six, the Sixth Sense and Unbreakable, his two best films, story-wise and how they are kind of presented, would be B-grade movies. They're kind of schlocky, but he, does, he made those movies with a very laser precision directing style and savvy marketing, and that's why they're great. But then you look at the rest of them, like The Happening, 
and the village, the village, <laughs> and Lady in the Water and signs, and they're all the exact same schlockiness that he's always delivered. But for some reason, they just don't connect as well because they didn't have the big twist, <laughs> the subtlety, and he lost the nuances. And then he does stuff like After Earth with our boy Will Smith, mm. and now he works with Jason Blum. <laughs> doing uh, stuff really? like sp- split and like the, I said our boy uh, but you didn't pick the young guy <laughs> no, no. <laughs> our boy Jason Blum gets him now <laughs> and our man Jaden Smith and our man Jaden Smith <laughs> I love Jaden Smith that guy I love him too. So Did yeah. you see his um, animation on Netflix? Anime? I watched all Ryan of it. Ryan has. I loved like it. Neo Yokio? I love it. I fucking loved it as well. I, I love it's it. It's one of the best. It's so good. I was literally talking about it with Bartek yesterday. Yeah. The thing about Neo Yokio is Jaden Smith and the lead singer from Vampire Weekend decided to make an anime. And the big question is, it's incredibly funny, but how self-aware is Jaden Smith? Because a lot of the humor right. comes from it making fun of what we know Jaden Smith to be like this young, arrogant, philosophical yeah. wanker. But the problem is, I don't know if Jaden Smith knows that it's a it's a piss take on him or is he self-aware? Like no one knows because it's Jaden Smith. He's the kind of guy, he's the guy who goes, right? our mirror is real because eyes aren't. because... <laughs> <laughs> All these awesome actors are in it as well, like Stephen Fry, Susan Saran, Jude Law, Richard Ayoade <laughs> as the voice Neo- of every background character. Neo <laughs> Yokio. When I found that, I'm like, what? Stephen Fry's in this? Like, I love it, I but just, it's I also a trash TV show. Now that's a good bad TV show. Yeah, <laughs> you get very few good bad TV shows yeah. because you know the format doesn't allow it as much. But like movies. Yeah. Yep. I just wish I had throwaway money like Jaden Smith. It's like, hey, you wake up one morning, I want to make an anime. Okay. I want to go to my prom as Batman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pretty annoying. Um, so, Bartek, have you got any favorite um, B-grade movies, bad movies? Any out of your 140-plus episodes in your show, is there anything that stuck out more than anything else? Well, they're all good films, so I don't know why you'd bring that up. <laughs> <laughs> my bad. Um... I mean, we did bring up Wish Upon earlier. That one has garnered a fair reputation. That was only like last year or yeah, like two years ago, late two thousand seventeen. Yeah, I think th- that one was one where the trailer was marketing it as a really intense horror film, but it's just really, <laughs> really poorly done in all the areas. So the plot of that film is it's based on the the Chinese story of the monkey paw. Uh, but there's a Chinese wish box and uh, the girl that finds it played by Joey King who's one of my favourite actresses because she's in every terrible movie that you could decide her to be in Um, yeah she finds a Chinese wish box she can make seven wishes but every time she makes a wish someone in her life it could be someone close or someone she met that day will die and then upon the seventh wish um, I can't remember the term. She she gets her soul taken by the devil. Yeah, they made it sound a bit more poetic than that, but basically she also dies as well. Um, mm. So it's just a less messed up version of Bedazzled. I loved Bedazzled. <laughs> I should have put that on the list. <laughs> but wouldn't you call that a good film? Oh, Bedazzled? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's good in the fact that it's trying to be a comedy, unlike Wish Upon, which doesn't try but is. <laughs> now, here's a question for you. What makes a bad B movie. What's a bad B movie? A bad B I hear, movie. I hear you guys talk about oh good bad B movies and stuff. What is an actual <laughs> I think the bad? Other good 
Good I think one. the only bad <laughs> B movie was B movie. No, no, that's a great movie. How dare you? <laughs> movie for, movie forty three. Movie oh, forty three is more fascinating in the behind the scenes than the actual movie because movie forty three, for those who aren't aware, listening and part me, of you, yes, yeah. movie forty three is like one of those movies that's just a bunch of sketches with a bunch of oh, celebrities. Oh, it's one of those anthology films. Yeah. Anthology films, right? Where oh, it's it Kentucky Fried yeah. Movie, basically, where it's like a series of sketches with celebrities in them. But the behind the scenes is far more interesting because the celebrities were bullied, extorted, and <laughs> harassed to be in the movie and or intimidated because it's like, oh, you don't want to be in the movie that has Hugh Jackman, Richard Gere, and Kate Winslet in yeah. it? Oh, okay, fine. And then they're like, no, no, I do want to be in it. I do want to be in it. And the movie is just garbage. I think that's the only movie we've ever walked out on. Yeah, it it's is. directed by now Oscar-winning director Peter Farrelly. <laughs> Oscar winner of Green Book. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mr. Dumb and Dumber. Oh dear. <laughs> um, so yeah, Bartek. So yeah, movie forty three is one of those ones where that's a terrible movie, yeah. but it's more fascinating that you want to watch the documentary about how it got made, right? Like oh. the documentary about like how did they get Richard Gear? They got Richard Gear in the movie because they literally kept moving their studios closer and closer to his house <laughs> so that he didn't have to drive as far to shoot the scene. <laughs> oh my goodness. Right, and so that's much so much better than it. watching the scene in which Hugh Jackman has testicles on his throat. Uh, and that's the first sketch in the movie, <laughs> Bartek. Um, to go back to that question, um, I think there there is sort of differing criteria because I'm looking at Ryan's list, and I noticed that he's put down the film Hentai Carmen. <laughs> like I, I don't know if you'd consider that a bad film because no, it, this it is my good bad list. Oh, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I only write good bad movies. Hentai yeah. Carmen, you have to see that. But that's the thing. I don't really think it's a bad movie. Like getting rid of the this is a good type of bad film. Like I, I think it does what it's trying to do. Kinda. What is Hentai Carmen? Okay. First off, I'll help answer this question. Yep. Most Ed Wood movies are bad, right? The real bad B movies because Plan 9 from Outer Space is the gem. But if you watch something like Jailbait, the thing about B movies that are bad is they're either offensive or inoffensive to a high degree, and that's a big crime. So Jailbait's a movie in which it has a very B-grade story, like a guy robs a bank, kills his partner, and then gets plastic surgery to look like somebody else but the plastic surgeon makes him look like the guy he killed and then he gets in jail and stuff like that and but the thing that makes it boring is it has a soundtrack that is just one guy playing a guitar <laughs> and it's the same four strings for 90 minutes and you just want to kill yourself watching it right and that's the kind of thing or you have movies that are really racially offensive or mean-spirited or have like a lot of B movies are terrible to women. It's always rape is always the choice of sex in these types of movies because you have to get your titillation and they don't know how to write love scenes. So they get women naked for that kind of reason. That's kind of what bad B movies have. They don't have the joy of something like The Room, where The Room, you can tell by watching it that it's some insane European man who has no idea <laughs> what the American dream is, but he thinks he does, right? <laughs> That's much better than, say, Yui Ball. Yui yeah. Ball is like, he's doing it for cynical tax dodge reasons, and yeah. his movies most of the time are not enjoyable to watch, oh, even no. for B-grade sensibility. <laughs> Other than if you know who Yui Ball is, is the fact that he wants to box you if you disagree yeah. with his movie. Yeah, I love that. I was just about to bring that up. He actually, like, 
asked his uh, haters to be like, okay, you hate my films? I'll fight you. <laughs> yeah, he <laughs> invites all his critics and he really respects the ones that come and get their asses beat. Because yeah. he actually knows how to box. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's a very big muscly man. <laughs> Just taking you back to how you're talking about it. offensivity and like how bad B movies are typically offensive. I was watching, there's three movies that stick out to me. Actually, two main ones that stick was out to me. Was it a triple pack? No. Last House on the Left. <laughs> that was uh, a classic. The, the remake. Oh, the remake. Yeah, 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 yeah. How there was an unnecessary, probably 12-minute-ish rape scene. Yeah. Twelve? What? <laughs> yeah. It was graphic to all hell and it made me feel sick. And it was kind of more sexualization than kind of victimization, which the first movie did have. Yeah. The first and movie is a rape-revenge story. So. And same with Death Wish uh, 2. Uh, like I, there I, was too much in that. Have you seen Death Wish, Death Wish Three? Yeah, I watched that last night. Mm, so, uh, <laughs> it was Wish, a lot better. Death Wish Three is so sleazy, though. <laughs> like, there's the actress who's in Star Trek: Next Generation, and she's in that movie, and she's like naked, and she's like literally in the gutter, and the director refused to give her a blanket in between shots <laughs> because you're attractive. I'm going to look at you. And that's the reason he wouldn't give her a blanket. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like Roger Ebert talking about Blue Velvet. Whoa. Ma- Michael Winner, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What an ass. <laughs> and was there th- a third movie that you were going to mention? Uh, it was the second movie because uh. that second movie had two very lengthy and gratuitous rape scenes that just, yeah. I had to skip because I was watching with my fiance and even if I wasn't watching with her, it wasn't like I was going to whip it out yeah. and continue <laughs> to watch it's it. It's not like it's going to be shown, that scene's going to be shown in a film class for like, look at the great mise-en-scene during yeah. this 15 minute rape scene. Yeah. Which Morpheus is raping a woman. Morpheus. Oh, okay. Yeah, oh, it has wow. um, Lawrence, Fishburne. Lawrence Fishburne. The first Death Wish had Jeff Goldblum. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, as and he was also a rapist, wasn't he? <laughs> in every, uh, I can't remember. Are you if talking he was. about in life or no? Like in Death Wish. Uh, Death, Death Wish. Wish yeah. Because <laughs> Death Wish is the story of how Charles Bronson's loved ones get raped and murdered. <laughs> every <laughs> single one of them is a movie about like the first one's his wife, the second one's his daughter, right? And then the third one is like his good friend yeah, gets, good friend. Like, <laughs> and then gets attacked and murdered. I did that woman halfway through he goes to check his mail <laughs> and they punch her in the head and, and then put her in a car and, and, and it drives out and crashes in it I'm like oh she'll be fine and then they both explode <laughs> just for no reason at all I love that it's Hans Bollman syndrome yeah exactly exactly what about what about you what, what well, we didn't hear the third film though oh I oh, know it was it was mainly two it was yeah, Death Wish two. 2 and 3 but then oh. I realised there wasn't too much gratuitous rape in the Death third Wish one. 3 because they're like, oh, I'm going to cut back on But they do explode a guy with a bazooka in the third one, too. Oh, that's hilarious. That's the <laughs> other thing that pissed me off in Death Wish 3. Um, His shoe flies <laughs> off. <laughs> they were having the big battle at the end of that film, right? And that was like all the residents versus all the different biker gangs. Because I swear Death Wish takes in the same place in the same universe as the Warriors. Of course. It, it has to. Warriors. Yeah. And all these guys are trying to get into this big shootout. But then some of them are too busy trying to rape people. It's like, yeah. sort your shit out and you wouldn't have lost this battle. It's like, like priorities, guys. And we have to talk about the big component of B-movies, which is ripping off pre-existing content, <laughs> such as, thanks, Mad Max, Alien, and Predator. For you, there has been generations of filmmakers ripping off those movies via VHS <laughs> and straight-to-video form. Thanks, those three movies, for existing. And, and, oh, oh, and Lethal Weapon. Thanks, Lethal yeah. Weapon, too. Like, like, you wouldn't have movies. Samurai Cop. <laughs> If you didn't have Lethal Weapon. Samurai Cop, that sounds awesome. (laughs) 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 Samurai Cop's one of the best, worst movies ever made. (laughs) Made by one Iranian man who thought he understood the American buddy cop genre to the point in which he made Samurai Cop, 
Hollywood cop. <laughs> 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 he made like another cop movie too. Like, he's, like, he's, he's an insane man. Ryan Ryan showed me this film a few months ago, and just walking into it, you should know that Sam. There are no. There's nothing samurai about it. It's just the guy's cold samurai. He's called samurai cop because he worked in Japan. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> and he has a sword. Oh, so it's cop who's called samurai, basically. <laughs> and um, that movie is one of the greatest movies ever made. It had the first viral video on YouTube. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Which is this famous scene of him visiting a nurse, and he's like, "I want is the I want to have sex with you." Scene, and she's just like bantering, and she's like, grabs his grabs his genitals, and she goes, "Are you circumcised?" And he's like, "Yes, yes, I am." And he's like, "Well, the doctor must have cut most of it off." And he's just like, "No, <laughs> badly no, acted, dirty." No, talk, I'm yeah. I'm perfectly fine down there. And she's like, "Well, I would call him and sue him for malpractice." And he goes, "No." <laughs> <laughs> and he says, no, no, no. He was a good doctor. <laughs> How would he know he was a child? <laughs> Think about that logic for a second. Um, the big question you asked was, what is hentai Carmen? Good question. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the thing about B-grade movies too is you've got to love foreign movies. Oh, and you yeah. know who are the king? Japan. Yes. <laughs> hentai Carmen is a live action movie. So you're already thrown off because you hear the word hentai, you think yeah. animation. And you think it's a hentai if you know what hentai is, yeah. It is their version of Spider-Man. <gasps> A pervert Spider-Man. <laughs> so the oh, idea... I think I've heard of this. The idea yeah. is this young nerdy guy wants to attract this girl and he, and he eventually realizes, like, he puts... He has to stop an armed robbery situation. So he, he finds some women's panties and puts them over his face like Spider-Man's mask. So, like, the leg holes are on his eyes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he sniffs it and it makes him transform into this really hulking, oiled-up, muscular Asian guy <laughs> who's now in, like, a G-string... Oh. wearing women's like fishnets and heels and he attacks people in pervert ways so he's like take this and he hovers in the air and his crutch touches the other person's nose and then his body in the air spins around and it burns the guy's nose <laughs> from the friction right? oh okay <laughs> and it's a really funny movie and Bardock's saying like it isn't bad but it is because it doesn't really have a story it's just a series of <laughs> ideas but mm. it executes what it wanted to do exactly the way it wants it to do. And that's what a lot of B-movies do do. They, they have ideas, they want to do them, they do them. Like Ed Wood, he had an idea, Plan 9 from Outer Space. He made the idea that he wanted to make. Yep. It's mm. just he didn't know how to make it. <laughs> um, so there was one movie that topped all the lists I was kind of checking out. Now, I, I was going to watch it last night, but I didn't because I watched Street. Death Wish 3 instead. And that's Hard Ticket to Hawaii. <sighs> Now, have either of you guys... <laughs> What's the first word there? Hard? Hard, hard ticket, ticket to Hawaii. Hawaii. I haven't heard that of this That is one of the best. <laughs> it's great. Yeah? I, no, I haven't seen it. You, no, no. I haven't you, heard of this I, one. I think I'm missing out on hard something. Hard ticket to Hawaii is... I think me and this guy, we're missing out. ...made <laughs> by a pervert. <laughs> and it's basically like uh, crime happening on Hawaii. And the, the women are the cops, but they wear like scandally clad <laughs> police uniforms. But... It all comes to a head in that movie. There's lots of craziness. There's bazookas. There's literally a guy who throws a frisbee and it cuts another guy's hand off because he glued razors to the edge of the frisbee. Stuff like that. Because it's like, basically, it's uh, basically it's a, a bunch of criminals come to Hawaii and the police have to stop them. And hijinks ensues. Oh, they're importing drugs. Oh. But one of them is also importing a giant snake. And the snake breaks out. And at the end of the movie, when the bad guy's got the police woman, he's like going to shoot her. The snake shoots out of her toilet. <laughs> 
<laughs> and attacks him. <laughs> but then, once finishing him off, he's going to attack her. But luckily, she has a bazooka. <laughs> <laughs> like you do. You know? Shoots it. <laughs> just, yeah. And Hard Ticket to Hawaii is like um, a fever dream nightmare. Like, it's just like logical fallacies. And it's one of those ones where it's like, it's okay that they're sexualizing the women because the women are actually assertive and doing things in the movie, but they just happen to be dressed in bikinis. <laughs> while doing it. Well, it's hot in Hawaii, you know? <laughs> the cops should have different uniforms. Because when you think good, bad movies, you think of The Room, right? Have, yeah. we, have we all yeah. seen The Room? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Too many yeah. times. And that's like The King, right? Yes. It's the most popular, I guess. Yeah, when Ryan and I talk about good, bad movies, we usually, you know, we like half seriously talk about rankings and we just say like, oh yeah, Room's on its own pedestal, then here's an actual Then Troll list. 2. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. All of that. What are some of your favorite good bad movies? Snakes on a Plane is up there for me. Um, <laughs> really? <laughs> really? I mean, I, I kind of love it too. Yeah, I know, but it's, like, it's just something about it that just it's it's such a serious premise with such a, a, a serious. I, I haven't seen it, but I have a very fond memory of seeing the trailer in the cinema. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think it was like my stepbrother's birthday, and he took a bunch of his friends and myself to see. I think the second parts of the Caribbean film and the oh, trailer for that. That's, that's just a rough experience in itself. Yeah, and, and it's, the, it's a bad movie. It and the trailer bad. played for Snakes on a Plane. Like it played the whole thing. Then at the end, it just like fades in the title Snakes on a Plane. <laughs> and one of, uh, one of my stepbrother's friends who I, I interpret this as like, oh, he's recently learned English. So he probably knows what these words mean uh, now. Snakes on a Plane, he just goes, wow. <laughs> when i remember thinking of snakes on a plane there was this internet website called um like uh 10 30 second bunny movies or something where it's like animated bunnies reenact movies in 30 seconds mm-hmm. and they would do snakes on a plane and that was the best one because the snakes had bunny ears <laughs> and it literally summed up as Okay, let's kill this guy. They shoot him. Oh no, that guy over there saw us. We better put snakes on his plane. And that's kind of the premise. Um, yeah, some of the best ones. Room, obvious. The yeah. room, not room. The Oscar <laughs> winning film. Troll 2. Troll 2, I haven't no. seen. I haven't seen any of the troll, troll ones. I'm a bad. Oh, troll like, 2's got nothing to do movie. with Troll 1. Troll yeah, 2 no. on its own is just its own thing. Kyle, <laughs> Kyle is a movie lover who doesn't watch many movies. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just don't watch many. Uh, I'm, I'm particularly, I'm picky. You're picky. I'm well, you picky. have to see Troll 2 because that <laughs> is a bunch of Italians decided to make profit off a semi-successful B-grade movie called Troll and make their own movie about goblins. Not trolls. Not trolls. And the goblins have to turn you into vegetative matter to eat you because they're vegetarians. (laughs) And it has very many iconic scenes. You've probably seen some of them. Like there's a famous scene where like there's this nerdy guy. He's getting turned into a plant. And he's watching his friend get eaten. She's been turned into slop. And the goblins are just like eating her gooey green blur. And then it cuts to him and it like awkward zooms on his face. And he's just like, and a fly, a literal fly is buzzing around on his face. <laughs> lands on his forehead and he has the iconic, they're eating her. Oh, then they're going to eat me. <laughs> oh my, my God. God. <laughs> <laughs> and that's like the iconic scene, but that movie has its own documentary called like Best Worst Movie. Yeah, which is about the, the fandom of that film. Yeah, really, really religiously devoted fandom. And unlike film. The Room, the director of that movie isn't, 
in on it, right? Like the room, we like Tommy Wiseau because he's kind of like embraced it and he's kind of like been like, oh, it was meant to be a comedy. But the <laughs> no. person who did Troll 2 was like, leave me alone. I made a movie. Leave me alone. Like, oh, He thinks it's fantastic. He thinks it's fantastic. Because it's got a big community. fandom, so it must be a great film. Yeah, like the logic is I made a <laughs> cult classic so it must be great <laughs> good logic but yeah. the lo- I, that movie's great because they didn't speak a word of english the actors did the actors but they demanded American. that the actors read it the way they had written it oh so the actors speak this weird inhuman language it's it's like it's not it's not like broken english but it's like an alien literally and the logical yeah. leaps like yeah. the classic scene with the dad where the dad sees the son for whatever reasons the son there's many reasons but the son pisses on their lunch <laughs> and to the stop d- them from eating it and becoming vegetables oh. Ryan it's a good reason <laughs> and the dad is the best actor he grabs the son this like eight year old boy throws him over his shoulder walks down the corridor he's saying a bunch of lines he has a monologue about hospitality he's like they gave us hospitality and then he throws the kid on a bed and he goes and you better stick by it. I'm going to show you hospitality. You see the dad's like loosening. And like you can't piss his, on hospitality. I won't allow it. <laughs> he's undoing his belt. And you're like, is he going to piss on this kid? <laughs> it really looks like that. Yeah. And then he's like, dad, what are you going to do? Are you going to beat me? And he goes, no, son. I'm tightening my belt for hunger pains. And I'm going to advise that you, your sister and your mother do the same. All they did was miss out on eating some buns. Yeah. <laughs> it's not even like they've been starving for weeks. And they're like, I need food. For, for, for another line that's a stretch of logic there's a <laughs> one of the characters in the film is a boyfriend of the daughter of the family and the whole conflict with the boyfriend and girlfriend is that he hangs out with his friends too much instead of her and as, ha- as what happens in life the first time you see him he sneaks into her room and uh she hits him in the nuts and he tells her what are you trying to do turn me into a homo (laughs) (laughs) i think my favorite is the kid the little boy sees the ghost of his grandfather the grandfather seth who's dead and he looks exactly like orson wells old man orson wells the head of the goblins looks like a human because of reasons and he's like grandpa seth get out of here. This has nothing to do with you. I shall send you back to hell. <laughs> and the grandfather's like, you're not sending me back there. And I'm like, wait a moment. Why was he there? Because we've seen nothing but him be a jolly, nice old man that everyone loves. But apparently he got sent to yeah, everyone hell. Everyone is sad that he died. <laughs> to but, literal hell. Yeah. Uh, it's really interesting with the Italians and they, they like to do that. They like to make sequels and some other movies like Dawn of the Dead. Um, oh, the whole a, zombie. Yeah, they had a, a major like three or four spin-off sequels yeah. that didn't have anything to do with anything and they were absolutely terrible and that was Lucio Fulci. Some of them. He literally died making one <laughs> but that they still credited him as the filmmaker because he was a recognisable filmmaker. <laughs> so, yeah, Dawn of the Dead, George Romero, in Italy was called Zombie. Yes. Yeah. But then they made a sequel in Italy and they called it Zombie, zombie. and then they called the third one Zombie 2. Yeah. It's just... It's one of those American localization things, yeah. It's it's great. Deal with Final (laughs) Fantasy as well. Speaking of which, I know you you may have brought this up beforehand as well. Um, Ernest, okay, (sighs) Ernest. There is a cavalcade of good bad movies, and I need everyone to tell me, and everyone's going to agree with me. But what's the number one Ernest film? Ernest goes to jail. Wrong. I mean, you're wrong, but um, I haven't seen any of them. But one of the ones I remember is Ernest Scared Stupid. Right. Oh, okay. Um, oh. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the only one I can think of. No, you're wrong. It's Ernest Goes to Jail because <laughs> in that one, there's the evil version of him. And for some reason, 
there's a cult following to that movie via women because people think that the evil version of Jim Varney is really sexy. <laughs> and that's the reason why Ernest Goes to Jail is far better. Is he Just, played by he's Jim He's played Varney? by the exact same actor. What's the correct answer? It's the Ernest Scared Stupid. Oh, okay. oh I was right. I, had, oh, I just now found out that or, I was right. Or Ernest goes to Mega Mountain with Hulk Hogan <laughs> in Three Ninjas hiding in Mega Mountain. Uh, Hulk Hogan, no, that guy's awesome. <laughs> my <laughs> favorite type of my favorite type of good bad movie is when a serious filmmaker and a serious studio fail. <laughs> like like the Wicker Man, right? You have a real studio with a real lead actor with a real filmmaker doing. A reimagining of a real movie make that <laughs> and somehow fuck it up so badly <laughs> and there's no way of being like oh like with the snowman the snowman had like the problem of production quality like production behind the scenes like they weren't allowed to film 25% of their mystery thriller for the snowman that's Ooh. a genuine fact <laughs> so that's why yeah. you go okay the movie I understand but Wicker Man they had no excuse and yet it's still one of the worst movies yet you enjoy it so much because of Nicholas. Yeah. Mr. Cage. I love that movie so much because everyone thinks of Nicholas Cage as wacky, over the top, crazy man. In that movie, he is really level headed and sensible <laughs> for the majority <laughs> of the movie, and that's what makes it funny. Like, everyone goes, everyone loves the not the bees, because that's when he gets to go crazy in the movie. My favorite movie moments are like when he just goes, huh, he's meeting all the sisters on the island, they all have names of plants. Like, I'm Sister sister Hyacinth, and I'm Sister Rose, and whatever. And then he meets, like, a teacher, and he's like, and what's your name? And, he, and she's like, I'm Sister Rose. And he goes, oh, God, of course, another plant. <laughs> <laughs> like, that is funny, because it's like, he is saying, it's like, the movie is aware. But for some reason, it's completely in its up, up its own ass, thinking that this is genuinely intelligent. And I love when the studio messes up <laughs> so bad like that. Like, you go, wait a minute. How did Winter's Tale exist? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he had so much to go on as well, like um, going from Edward Woodward, Woodward's yeah. epic adventure <laughs> and his final moments, which were just the most terrifying screams I've ever heard in the original. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Christopher Lee just singing and they're having the Yeah, in the original time. Wicker Man. And yeah. then in All the remake, it's, like, it's just Nicholas. <laughs> Nicholas Cage going, Kill me, won't give back your goddamn honey. <laughs> I think um, there's actually a, an actor who would be considered a person who was a B-movie actor. Who's Nick? Nicolas Cage. Yeah, but he but, has been in a lot of... But it's hard with him because he's from Hollywood royalty. Yeah, he's won an Oscar. Like, in his like third film. <laughs> yeah. But then like he's got movies like Mum and Dad. Have been oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mom or Pay yet. the Ghost because, yeah. he, do, because he owes tax... He has, he's, he is a tax dodger, so he owes money. So he has to do like six films a year. But then again, would you say Samuel Jackson's the same? Because Samuel Jackson does like five films a year and he does shit like terrible straight to schlock. Um, The only like high profile ones he does other than Marvel and Quentin Tarantino movies are nothing. Uh, Snakes on a Plane? (laughs) I said that was B before. (laughs) Should have won an Oscar. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, well, I guess... Incredible. You have my friend. (laughs) Talk about that. Should there be like a B... Oscar nom- uh, the Razzies. Well, the Razzies, Razzies give yeah, them things Oscars. that they think deserve suck, but then yeah. there are those ones that are genuinely great but suck also. Then yeah. you go, well, they, they deserve their own awards. <laughs> they should, they should, at the Oscars, should have like a basement level where they yeah. have like the B move, the B Oscars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like just the base of the Oscars. Just you in don't the actually bathroom. get the statue. <laughs> okay, Black Panther, here's your Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I love it when a big studio fails so hard at like trying to make a serious, like, stupidly idea movie. Like, you have the fun ones, like Face Off, right? The premise of that: Nicolas Cage gets his yeah, face taken off. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like, well, you knew that movie was off to a laugh right from the start when he runs out as the priest. <laughs> yeah. and he oh, just so starts good. dancing and spitting his head. Or like The Happening, right? Like that's a made by a real filmmaker that people call <gasps> the next Hitchcock. And then he makes a movie where you have Marky Mark from the Funky Bunch. He now returned to Mark Wahlberg. Who plays a science teacher. <laughs> He's like, you gotta save the bees. <laughs> what the hell were they thinking? Oh, I know, that movie just went nowhere for so long. It's kind of got the same premise as Bird Box though. Yeah, no, it's exactly the same premise as... Um, mm. One of my favorite examples of these, and I, and I know Bartek likes it too, is one of those ones that maybe doesn't age as well, but there was Nine Lives. Do you remember Nine right, Lives? Right. You oh, might know it as Mr. Fuzzy Pants. In Australia. Oh. So it's a movie it's where Barry Sonnefeld, the guy behind Men in Black movies and Wild Wild West and many big, big movies, got Kevin Spacey in this movie in which Kevin Spacey is a corrupt, like, bad father married to jennifer garner big ceo guy too and he needs to get his uh, birthday present for his daughter so he goes to get her a cat he hates cats and the owner of the cat store is christopher walken (laughs) perkins i think (laughs) he plays perkins ha 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 cat (laughs) and he realizes that he's a bad guy so christopher walken inadvertently somehow turns Kevin Spacey, Oscar-winning actor Kevin Spacey, into a cat? Into the cat that he just bought. Bought. Yeah. And he spends the movie as a cat, trying to become human again, and he has to learn that, oh, family's what matters. This is a Tim Allen-type movie. It's called The Shaggy Dog. The the big mystery was, why was Kevin Spacey in this movie? (laughs) That reminds me of another movie that has... Christopher Walken that plays the exact same role, Click, with Adam Sandler. (laughs) See, now, that's an example of B-movies that are A-movies. Adam Sandler movies are just the worst. But yet they are the most financially successful comedies. Yeah, it's just Adam Sandler going on holiday. Jack and Jill is a B-movie, but yet somehow it earns more than actual good movies. Well, like, Grown Ups found a very special place in my heart. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's just Adam Sandler going, oh, hey, guys, I got this idea for a movie. How about we all go on a holiday and just film it? (laughs) No, you should have said it like, Hey guys, it's me, Adam Sandler. It's Poopy Magazine time. <laughs> no, no, what are we going to do today, friends? In this movie, I want to be married to Salma Hayek because she's pretty. <laughs> yeah, every single movie that he that he's <laughs> in, like he's got like that. Yeah, I know, <laughs> like a like his love interest is always in this like one. It's Oscar winning actress Marissa Tomei. <laughs> 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 Salma Hayek. Hey, why not Leslie Mann? Like, <laughs> and then he's like, he gets just millions of dollars for it. God we we sort of have a running joke in our show that uh, one day Adam Sandler is going to do a film where he. He's like a sailor so that he can just rest on his yacht for the whole time. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, most likely. <laughs> There's someone I have to bring up that is a B-grade acting legend that only people who know their B-grade knows. Cameron Mitchell. Cameron Mitchell was a cowboy actor for Hollywood in the golden era and in his later career fell on hard times, became an alcoholic and did straight-to-video movies and some of the, those movies, they literally had to shoot it in, in, his, in his house. <laughs> and other movies, he refused to get out of a chair. So they had to shoot scenes around him being in a chair. And Cameron Mitchell is a god. <laughs> he, he plays villains most of the time, or cops. 
he's in Hollywood Cop. <laughs> and he has a literal line where it's like, oh, Hollywood Cop, you're giving me, you're giving me an aneurysm. I'm getting an ulcer right here. And he points to his belly. And you're like, wait, wait, wait. And he goes, I'm going to have to get some Tums. Oh, my my belly is feeling like a Tums festival in here. <laughs> it's like <laughs> uh, the end of Blade 3, uh, Wesley Snipes, how his uh, eyes were cg because he was so stoned that he couldn't actually open his eyes. <laughs> That's also a movie where he kept sending like threatening post-it notes to Ryan Reynolds about what acting is. <laughs> Wesley Snipes is I feel so sorry and happy for him at the same time because Wesley Snipes was like a weird guy but he also like for the first few movies like Demolition Man he was living in his car (laughs) stuff like that but then he does stuff like dodge taxes so I I think more people should send uh, Ryan Reynolds threatening uh, post-its telling about acting these days oh you don't like him in Deadpool he's gonna play Pikachu but yeah, it should have been Danny DeVito as it should have been. No, it should have been uh, Joe Pesci. <laughs> <laughs> All right? You called me fucking short. <laughs> See, am I some kind of Pikachu to you? Yeah. See? I that that would have worked awesomely. <laughs> I would have I watched that. What, and um, Macaulay Culkin should have come back as the boy? No, he should yeah. have been Mr. Mime. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Nobody, who is now always on, for some reason, Cinemassacre videos. And at Red Letter Media, yeah. yeah. I love, uh, hey, good for him. Macaulay Culkin has got his life turned around. He's yeah. he's stable, good for him. <laughs> Can, I have an argument here. A yes. lot of people don't agree with me, but do you think any of the Star Wars prequels fall into good-bad movies? For me, I think Star Wars Revenge of the Sith is one of my favorite good bad movies because I don't think anyone genuinely likes that movie. When people enjoy it, they enjoy it because <sighs> it can tell a story, unlike the other two. But when you think of that movie, you think of Darth Vader going, no, or Obi Wan Kenobi being like, only a Sith deals in absolutes. <laughs> <laughs> like, you think of the worst, dumbest moments in that movie. Do, do you think any of those prequels can count as a good bad movie? I think. Um not See, I, I actually I enjoy those movies. To be honest, I reckon they're um <laughs> they're better than what people believe they are. I, I think because um, I've watched them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I remember watching them, going, "Oh, these are bad," and then when you rewatch them, you're like, "They're actually not that bad." Like what? Like so? This is our democracy dies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, truth be told, I, I just think that they they are they have their moments of terrible but i think they're actually pretty solid i hate sand to be honest yeah. <laughs> i think um they hold better together than the last jedi oh I, I, are you sure yeah okay answer me this don't you answer me because you watched them who who was the phantom menace it's who been 20 years the phantom menace that yeah, who was the phantom menace the phantom menace was darth maul no oh it's darth sidious Damn it, but he wasn't even in that movie, was he? Yes, he was. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. The thing is, hiding in plain see, the thing is, it's been like 20 years since that movie. No one really knows who the, Dar- <laughs> the Phantom Menace is. People think, oh, it's Darth Maul because he was menacing, right? And he had two two lightsaber. He had a lightsaber with two edges on it. whoop de doo But like, it's because it's so incomprehensible. <laughs> At least in The Last Jedi, I could be like, do you know who the bad guy was? Oh, yeah, it was Kylo Ren. There you go. <laughs> oh, it was actually Darth Smeagol. Professor <laughs> 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 Snope. Yeah. Snake. <laughs> See? What's his name? Snoke. Oh, Snoke. It's like Snake. No, it was, was it was Jersey Shore's Snooky. Yeah. <laughs> Snooky Shore's like, like he like, technically was the big bad guy in that. So. No, he was what you call like like the original emperor. He was yeah. the 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 bad guy's bad guy. Yeah. Right. But the real bad guy in 
in Return of the Jedi is still Darth Vader, right? But you've got the Emperor there. Mm-hmm. Is he the bad guy? No, not really. He's a secondary yeah. figure. Same with Snoke, right? But yeah, I also think Last Jedi is fucking entertainingly bad. But um, <laughs> I, I'm a Star Trek fan, so I yeah. I revel in Star Wars sucking so hard <laughs> because Star Trek sucks so much, so many of the so much of the time. So when Star Wars fans are like, "These prequels, why is this happening to us?" I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> See, I think um. See, with the prequels, I reckon they're amazing because they're just <laughs> shittily spoke. They're space operas. <laughs> like, and operas, they're kind of bad, to be honest. And I love They the make the sense. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I, I love all the special effects, the fighting. The fighting is just great. It's entertaining <sighs> for me, I reckon. I mean, at the same time, when you do make prequels after a well-beloved series, it's, can you you've succeed? O- yeah. You've only got so much room you can work with mm. because you have a start point, you have an end point. Can prequels ever work as a thing? as well like you had the Hobbit yeah, prequels as movies have shown time and time again nobody wants them nobody <laughs> wants to know how Han Solo got his blaster no one no. cares yeah. Yeah. no yeah. one they, wants they, it yeah, they want to know how he got his name Ryan yeah <laughs> <laughs> they want to know how he was conceived alright <laughs> who are your people <laughs> what did you say he was, how he was conceived yeah. I thought that's how much he spent his time alone with one hand Solo <laughs> no it's who are your people I don't have people so you're <laughs> solo? That's literally how it is. It's so painful. <laughs> I've not actually seen Solo. I refuse to watch it, even uh, though it's on Stan. Uh, because it got... Uh, people were just sick of it. After Rogue One, one of the spin-offs, I was like, this was a bad movie. Oh, but it had Ben Mendelsohn as bad guy. <laughs> and like, fucking... What was his name? CGI Grand Moff Tarkin? The robot who was like, hey... K-O-S-O. I'm, yeah. I'm Marvin the Depressed Robot, and now I'm just going to say... It's like, I laughed the first time. He said something funny. Now he's always saying it. I wish he'd die. You see, I love Revenge of the Sith as one of my good bad movies. Like, I want to put that on in good bad movie nights because it's so entertaining. Like, genuinely, as an entertaining adventure movie. But then you think of it like the story makes zero to no sense... <gasps> Why should I care that Anakin turns evil? I don't like Anakin, nor does anyone in the movie like Anakin. <laughs> so when it's like, oh, he kills a bunch of younglings, I laugh because the youngling actor is like, Anakin? And I'm like, I'm sorry, it's just funny to me. Or even genuine moments like Ewan McGregor's acting is so oh, genuinely so great. But the problem is <laughs> it's funny because he's taking it seriously and he's doing a good job while everyone else is either doing a bad job or not taking it seriously. Like, we all love the Emperor, Sid- Sidious, because he's not taking it seriously. He's hamming it up. That's why we laugh at, do it, and stuff <laughs> like that. Kill him. But then you have Ewan McGregor, who's giving, like, an Oscar-worthy performance, and it's just hilarious, because <laughs> what's it in service of? Like, Anakin, you are my brother. You are the chosen one. And then you have Hayden Christensen literally on the ground going, like poor Ewan McGregor he's acting his ass off and it just makes me laugh like literally think Ewan McGregor is giving an Oscar worthy performance and then he has to deliver lines like only a Sith deals in absolutes that's an absolute you idiot like (laughs) (laughs) or you know has to deliver lines like like Padme I am so sorry about Anakin's betrayal. And you're like, <laughs> <laughs> I have to laugh every time, every time. It's just so funny. And I, every time I think about it, it's like, mm. that movie has a robot that has a cough. <laughs> and they never explain it. Yeah, I know that. That was um, <laughs> they never explain a terrible it. thing. <laughs> well, half that movie is basically question time. 
Yeah. Like in Parliament. Oh. <laughs> so this is how democracy dies. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> With a round of applause. Um, so Star Trek fan, eh? So out of the original movies, which one was your favourite? Well, I just watched all six recently, so I'm a big expert. <laughs> Star Trek 2, Wrath of Khan is the best one. In terms of people like it the most, it's the best movie. Revenge story told simply. My favourite is Star Trek 6, The Undiscovered Country. That's the end of the original series crew. They all say goodbye and they basically have a nice mystery plot like who actually killed the Klingon Chancellor but the best one in terms of best bad movie is number five yay Star Trek 5 is so legendarily bad that it turns around to being genuinely great again <laughs> and this happens a lot there are some bad movies that you misremember you get a conception of like oh that movie's bad there's nothing good about it that was me with Star Trek 5 I'm like that movie has no redeeming qualities recently we watched it it's got a lot of the qualities of the original TV show. It's kind of like, well, why do people hate this? And it's just because the directing's bland and they don't spend enough time on these weird ideas that they introduce. It's like, oh, Spock has a brother we've never heard about. <laughs> and his brother can mind control people. Oh, where's this going to go? Oh, his brother got a message from God. Oh, okay. God's in the center of the universe. Oh, okay. We're going to go find God and find out what he wants. Then they go find God, and God is not actually God, but an alien pretending to be God because he's imprisoned on this planet and wants to leave. And you're like, hey, that's not actually a bad sci-fi idea. Let's explore this more. What's that? You you, you shot God in the face with a phaser, and he's dead? Oh, okay. <laughs> and then they move on, and it's just like, oh, there's a woman in a strip bar with three titties, and she's a cat lady? Wait, 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 what's this? Oh, she's gone. <laughs> and it's just lots of that. Lots of that. Star Trek V is hilarious as well, like genuinely funny. Unlike a lot of these good bad movies, like The Room, when it tries to crack jokes, you laugh out of pity, <laughs> not out of genuine entertainment. But when in Star Trek V, they have a gag like, Spock doesn't know, row, row, row your boat. He doesn't know that as a song. But then later, um, Bones misquotes like a famous poet and then Spock's like, it's actually this poet. And he goes, how do you know? You could be wrong. He goes, I know all the Earth classics. And he's like, really? Well, how come you don't know row, 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 row your boat if you know all the Earth classics? And you're like, that's actually a genuine good point. But then there's weird shit like, let's watch William Shatner climb a mountain. Yeah. <laughs> which well, spawned the song. Yeah. One of the first internet songs, which is Captain Kirk's Climbing a Mountain. <laughs> And it's just like a four-minute song of an interview where William Shatner's like, why is Kirk climbing a mountain? Because he wants to make love to the mountain. <laughs> he wants to ingratiate that mountain. And you're like, William Shatner's a crazy guy. Um, so we've been talking about The Room quite a bit. And um, Tommy Wiseau is about to... Well, it's actually the first part has been released of Best Friends. Oh, the Greg Sestero movie yeah, that he's so in. I thought you were going to talk about how he's making a shark movie. Oh, yeah. Is he making a shark movie? He's making a shark that's movie. That's like Flood Sharks or something. Yeah, it's something, something ludicrous. I think it's literally something like My Shark Movie or something stupid. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> but are you worried now that he's become the joke and it's not going to be as good? Um, well. Or he's going to try to capitalize on. Yeah, I worry like about that with the shark and, movie. Yeah. But with Best Friends, that's Greg Sestero's movie. That's that, And he's written a proper movie and he wants him to be in and people who have seen it said you know it's not a bad movie so i don't worry about the best friends one but the shark one i do worry because it's like the birdemic guy the birdemic guy became self-aware <gasps> made birdemic 2 where it's a meta movie and it's joking about how bad it is and it, it's just not as fun yeah it didn't capture the same what as the first birdemic what about you Bartek? you're a big tommy was so fan in comparison to i are you worried about how self-aware he is 
No, I, 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 to be honest, I haven't really looked into Best Friends and I've only heard about the shark movie from you. So I, I feel like, I feel like he'll give the same performance uh, that we would expect from him as we've seen in The Room or that uh, internet gaming show. Yeah, was the Tommy show. show. Yeah. <laughs> what about, what about when he was in the disaster artist at the end? Was he in it? I haven't actually seen it. It was that. like the post credits yeah. scene. Where he's a waiter yeah. and it's really bad. <laughs> I love him. I do love Tommy because he's one of those mysterious guys where you look at it on paper, you read the book, you listen to the audio book, you watch the movie, Disaster Artist. Tommy was so is a monster. He did inexplicably horrible things for no real reason. And not even just negligence. He was he's a genuinely terrible person. Like he refused to have give, water give on Give water set. on set. But at the same time, he's so lovable that you kind of forgive him. And they forgive him. Like no one in this cast or set really has pure animosity for him. They kind of go, I hate him, but, you know, he's Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't know what he was doing. My favorite filmmaker currently that's like this, who will never become self-aware, is Neil Breen. Have you heard about the Breen machine? No. What's he done? You haven't heard about Neil Breen? No. Oh. So Neil Breen (laughs) is a Las Vegas real estate agent (laughs) who makes movies in his spare time. And he thinks he's David Lynch. (laughs) So he makes these weird artsy-fartsy movies. And they're terrible. He casts himself in them. He writes him, directs him, produces him. Literally at the end of one of his movies, he goes, if any person or company in this credit has either the letter N or B in it, are purely fictitious, are in fact Neil Breen. And then you go back and it's basically everyone who's been credited is actually Neil Breen. And he, he always <laughs> plays a Jesus archetype, right? Yeah, he plays yeah. like a mystical figure who's either human from the future or an alien or someone who's divine. And he's here to save us. From whatever in whatever mysterious means, and they're all the a bunch of his movies are just him in the desert walking around. And the thing is, he's become very popular. Even PewDiePie did a video on him, Red Light Media, all these people. And his views on it is, well, I'm glad people are finding amusement in my films, but hopefully they watch them enough and get it, <laughs> like get what I'm actually doing. And he has, and he has not been changed. He has made four, five, six movies. And he's he's not been altered by any of this. It doesn't phase awesome. him because he looks at it as you don't get it, but that's okay. <laughs> like he's not arrogant about it. He just goes, "That's the point. You you got to figure it out." But the thing is, there's nothing to figure out. He makes weird movies like like um uh uh. The first three are double down. <laughs> I am here. Ellipses now. So I am here. Now and fateful findings, which is the one that everyone's pointing to as like, oh, this is his the room. Yeah, where he plays a hacker who's also the world's best author, <laughs> and he's hacking government secrets. He doesn't tell you what they are, but he goes, they're international and national government secrets. They're on to me. He also has a magic rock that makes him teleport and cure cancer, <laughs> <laughs> and um. He has a bunch of motifs, like there's always like dead laptops. Like, like he has five laptops because he always throws them, but they're obviously not working because they're never on, they're missing keys, and they're always in his movies. So he has like five to seven laptops. Yeah. Or he has women be naked next to him and they always look uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> and he's a weird looking guy. And he's a terrible actor, but you kind of love him because he's, he delivers lines like, Listen here. I am hacking government secrets, national 
and international sin is just the worst. But he <laughs> didn't but, he say a line like that, but he was just talking to himself. Yeah. Oh, yeah, really wooden. There's a bit where he has a plate of celery. Like, he just eats celery on its own, on a plate, though. And he puts his plate on of celery on, like, what is vertically stacked paper. And he puts it on top of that, and of course it falls. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, no, not again. And you're like, wait, what? My my main thing with him is that um, Ryan introduced me to him. He's the expert. Um, <laughs> the brain spur. Yeah. He introduced me via showing me a video someone made where they reviewed or talked about those first three films. And his legacy as a filmmaker, yeah. Yeah, and, and then we watched the film shortly after that, so it felt a bit redundant to me because I knew all the main beats of it so i've kind of been going these past like two three years since watching fateful findings thinking like oh i don't think i'm into neil breen but then in recent months i've been watching catching up on the cinema snob he's an internet reviewer as well and he's gone through those first three films and the first two fateful findings and i'm here now actually seem like a lot more fun than fateful findings and even he admits that like oh this film everyone's like putting on the pedestal but i don't think it's you know necessarily better than the other ones so i I do want to because fateful finding is the only one that doesn't take place in the fucking desert and he's walking around this one actually has sets that's why people like fateful findings more because it's a real movie i do want to give neil breen more of a chance because i don't i don't like being the one guy who's like yeah i wasn't really into the one i saw so guys listening home give breen a chance let's make that a hashtag give breen a chance also i want to embrace the breen i want to eyes on breen I want to jump. <laughs> I want to jump back in time a little bit to when Nick asked me uh, something from our show that we've uh, we've taken out. Um, so you want to jump jump back in time? Probably like twenty five minutes. It was like an hour ago at this point, wasn't it? <laughs> Ryan and I have dropping sort of dis- <laughs> we've discovered a very entertaining genre on podcast yeah yeah which we i think we've gathered it from looking up the first film of this genre the boy next door erotic thrillers specifically (laughs) black erotic thrillers which uh boy next door doesn't qualify in that but there's a genre called the black erotic thrillers which is screen gems a production company who mainly have black actors and black filmmakers make erotic thrillers Stuff like Idris Elba and Beyonce are in a movie. <laughs> and before he was famous. You know? Okay. Yeah. And Bartek and I love them. Yeah, it's it's weird because you think erotic thriller is like, oh, okay, so it's it's a thriller and there's a lot of sexual stuff in it. But there's so much humor that comes with making an erotic thriller. Yeah, it's like they're barely ever erotic. They're never thrilling. But in fact, they're insane. Like the boy next door, Bartek, you gotta go through the boy next door. That one's the best. <laughs> Think to yourself, hmm, should JLo be a high school English teacher? <laughs> it's from like 2014, right? Yeah. yeah. So recent. Oh, is this the one where um, she's the girl next door and then he's the new guy and he sleeps with her? Yeah, yeah, yeah. she lives there and then he moves in next door and she fucks him. Yeah. But he's... Teacher, she's he's a student at her school. She finds out. How old is he, Ryan? Oh, he's almost twenty. <laughs> okay, <laughs> they constantly in quotes almost they, twenty because he got he got held back. So they're trying to make it so it's not rape. Yeah, right. Okay, but but they constantly say he's almost twenty. Like he's almost. 20. He's not nineteen. He's, he's not almost 19. twenty. He's almost twenty. <laughs> like they never say the words nineteen. They yeah, always I'm say. Sure, I'm pretty sure this one's on Netflix. It is, and he's constantly harassing her after their first night of. 
production. Yeah, yeah, and he, he uh, taped it, and it's just... It, it's basically... <laughs> yeah, this genre is very great because they're always sociopaths. Yeah, yeah, they're always, like, never any human qualities Lustful after sociopaths. they've turned. Like, they're like, oh, I'm so nice, and then they turn, and then it's like, you know it's going to end in death. <laughs> and it's never going to change, but the road to him, like, the boy next door, he, he is so... Um, like in love with her he gives her a present which is hey, this is before they've had sex yeah. the first edition of the Iliad which doesn't exist like, <laughs> the Iliad is an ancient text like, <laughs> well, like it, was, it was mostly oral traditions oral right? tradition, tradition. so yeah. even if you did say have the first edition of the Iliad it would actually be worthless <laughs> <laughs> so and it doesn't exist. Like, you can't have a first edition of the Iliad. It doesn't <laughs> exist. But he, they make a big point. And she's like, wow, this is priceless. And like, you're a literary English teacher. J-Lo. J-Lo of all people. Jenny from the block. <laughs> <laughs> and, and they use an EpiPen as a weapon in that movie. It's great. <laughs> There's literally a bit where he's intimidating the son by being like, can I have your mum's cookies? <laughs> <laughs> There's a part what? where, um, what was it like... <laughs> He, because his bedroom's like across, it's next door, like across the window. From her window. And he's, he's like getting a blowjob from the girl that the JLo's son likes. Yeah, the school. And he's just <laughs> looking at JLo while he's getting it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. What? The boy next door is really good. He, that's one of the best. The other one that Bardic and I really love is When the Bow Breaks. Yeah, this one's a black erotic thriller. Black erotic thrillers are my favorite. Because <laughs> it's just like. The black people are always really well off rich people always. who get them into really nonsensical situations for no reason. Like, like when the bow breaks, actually has a good premise, but then they screw it up immediately. It's like, <laughs> they're a couple, they can't have a kid, they want a kid, so they get a surrogate. The surrogate is crazy. She wants to sleep with the dad who's played by Morris Chestnut, everyone's favorite actor from Like Mike. <laughs> <laughs> And it's just crazy. Nonsense happens. This woman is played by this 22-year-old woman. She's like, at the beginning, she's she's like, she's got straight hair. It's tied back in a ponytail. She's wearing baggy clothes. She's like really meek. And then when she decides she wants to have him, she's she undoes her hair. It's a big afro. <laughs> she's got these luscious lips now. She wears like little shorts that go up her bootylicious butt. And now she's like really sexy. And then I see the same actress in The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina on Netflix. And she's playing like a high school girl. And I'm like, I know you. <laughs> I know that you're a 25-year-old actress that got nearly naked in a black erotic thriller. And here you are wearing big glasses to make yourself look like a nerd. I know you. <laughs> and that movie's crazy. If you haven't seen When the Barrel Breaks, I won't give any of it away. But that is... What was the name of the Idris Elba Beyonce one again? Obsessed. Obsessed. Oh, that's Where how Netflix is. Netflix yeah, has this really yeah, interesting yeah, yeah. genre of its own lifetime movies. Yeah. And My Teacher, My Obsession was on yeah. there. <laughs> Obsessed is just Idris Elba's a nice guy and a, 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 he's like the second head of a company. Right? An attempt at his job is this crazy white lady who falls in love with him and tries to sleep with him. And that's the movie. But he's a nice guy. <laughs> and Beyonce, if she finds out, she's going to be angry because she literally has a line like, nobody messes with me. And she says it like Beyonce would. <laughs> and you're like, nobody would mess with Beyonce. <laughs> like The threat of the movie is 
Beyonce knowing. <laughs> <laughs> that is hilarious in its own right. Well, have you seen have you seen the one on Netflix Accepted? No, it's uh, got Jughead from the guy that plays Jughead in uh, uh, Riverdale. Riverdale. I love Riverdale, it's and it's all about shoot. a guy who moves into a new school, and you know he this teacher takes him under his wing because oh, he's no. the only one who pays attention in class and stuff, and he's, he needs this perfect score to get into Harvard. Oh no, and he is a sociopath, <laughs> of course, who who used a chemical a chemical <laughs> um, test in science class to blow up in this other guy's face so he can get first chair in chess club. Of course, of course. And it's just this, <laughs> he's just a psychopath who bullies his dad at home and just goes on this rampage to tear this teacher's like life, life apart. apart. I love those type of movies too where it's like the teacher must pay. It's like, why? There's a great one. Brad Pitt's first movie. Ah, this one. It's on YouTube. It's called Cutting Class. <laughs> and it has yeah. Brad Pitt. It has um, the guy who plays Scully in or Hitchcock in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. It has like a bunch of actual people in it. And it's this 80s schlocky horror movie where the premise is someone is killing a bunch of people in town. And that's the premise. <laughs> and Brad Pitt is like the douchey 80s boyfriend to the main character. Like he's the, you know, he's the jock. He's the guy who's like, your dad's away from home. Let's party at your house, babe. <laughs> and like the way they party is they drink beer, <laughs> eat ice cream and have apple. <laughs> apple. <laughs> Those three specific things. <laughs> <laughs> like they literally come in with Sounds a like bag of apples, some ice cream cones and a bunch of beers and they go, now the party's started. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, Brad Pitt is playing the ultimate douche. Like this, you, you think Brad Pitt's been a douche in any other movie? Not in, Cutting Class is like top level. He's got like the 80s hair, the quaff. He's wearing like the tracksuit jackets. He's got the school ring, the gold ring. And he's like a, such a bad boyfriend. But the movie, the movie itself <sighs> goes, meanwhile... A kid, the new kids come to school and he's just been released from the mental institution for killing his own parents. Oh, okay. And the movie makes you go, wait a moment. So he's the killer, obviously. But then the movie makes you go, ah, 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 that's too obvious. Makes you start believing Brad Pitt's the killer. Yeah. Then just reveal, no, no, it's the crazy kid. Oh, okay. You really, you <laughs> yeah. re I was almost thinking like, should we actually reveal that? Because the way it just is revealed is... That's the best part. But it's like, so unexpected. Like, it's not even like a... It was me all along. It's just like a oh, it it was him. Like, <laughs> yeah, you have to he see kills how a woman it by smacking her head on a on a photo scanner. Then then you see from the scanner's point of view, her face just making like, <laughs> and it's just printing out her dying. I love that that death that those death scenes. Like, it's like scanners or or printers or fax machines. Fucking there's photocopy of deaths. There's a little bit where the psycho kid is riding around. It's supposed to be intimidating, but you're not supposed to know it's him yet. It's those moments where he's just riding around watching them, the main characters, and he's riding on a, a kid's bike with tassels on it because it was his bike when he was a kid. But it's supposed to be intimidating. But it's like this like 25 year old guy on a bike. With a child's bike. That sounds awesome. That sounds like my favorite movie ever. It is so funny. Like, like, and it's called Cutting Class because the dad, her dad, is played by Martin Mull, who's that guy from Sabrina, the original one, the principal. He's the guy with the yeah. mustache and glasses. Oh. You know him. You're like, oh, from Roseanne. <laughs> and he is her dad, and she, he gives her three rules: don't bring boys over, like, 
you know, uh, make sure the house is clean and don't cut class. <laughs> and then at the end, oh, he's been away. He's been he's he's a, he's a running gag in the film. Like at the beginning of the film, he gets injured by the mystery killer while and on a hunting trip. <laughs> while on a hunting trip, and he's crawling. He's, yeah, he's crawling. He's basically immobilized in the grass, and no one can see him, even <laughs> if they're like within his vicinity. And the film just keeps cutting back to him throughout. It's like 127 hours, his journey. Like, he's just trying to survive. And then at the end of the movie, they're driving their car. They're like, oh, no, the, he cut the brakes. Oh. <laughs> and they and they spin their car out and nearly hit the dad. <laughs> and the dad's like, what's going on? And they're like, dad, dad, dad. And they tell the dad, like, all these people got murdered. This kid did this, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, oh, my Lord. <laughs> well. At least tell me you didn't cut class. And then it freeze frames credits. No. Don't they smile at that? Oh, no, no, no. It's just his face <laughs> going like, <laughs> and then it's freeze frame credits roll. Music, 80s music kicks on in. Man. And that's one of my favorites. That's worth checking out. Yeah. And then every Arnold Schwarzenegger movie after Predator and Terminator 2 is just gold, like jingle all the way. That is one of the greatest movies ever made. I got to give me a turbo man. I just love when he kicks down the door of the radio station and all it just <laughs> and shatters the ground. And it's Martin Mull oh, as the really? radio presenter. That's just coincidence. Cool. <laughs> um, departing a bit from the regular bad movies, mm. um, I'll go around the room. What's your opinion on Sundance films? Are they considered B movies? What would you say? Uh, you look uh, like you're like, struggling. No, I know you have just, an opinion um, on Sundance at. I don't care. Like Sundance is just this artsy kind of thing that uh, I feel like they kind of go on the way of the Oscars. They're, mm. they're this prestigious thing, I reckon. No, People try to then they, they have are. Jerry Seinfeld dress up as a bee and fly around to promote, promote yeah. the bee movie. True. Or TJ Miller dress up as an emoji and roll around for the emoji movie. Yeah, it but seems it, like too many major studios are making it into Sundance. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like the, it, feel, it feels like that, that people are purposely making these films that studios are to try to win these awards and just it's not really an independent film festival anymore yeah that's how i feel like it's going i do believe that even sundance has its own independent category now (laughs) which in itself is ridiculous independent independent yeah i love that that's actually really funny it seems like everything is a sundance like a film winner these days. No, it really is like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Jack and Jill, Sundance Oscar, <laughs> Sundance winner, yeah. No, I agree. Uh, Sundance, they've gone too corporate. Yeah, that's what it. I mean. But it's that's the problem. All of them do. Cannes Film Festival does. All of them. Toronto Film, you know, all of them do that. They all have like, oh, yeah, yeah, we're the independent film festival. Oh, yeah, here's, here's Superman's new <laughs> movie over here. Here's Iron Man. Like, you know. Oh, Captain Marvel, that's 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 a independent movie, right? Yeah, feminism. Woo, we're totally down with the kids. Give us that indie award. Like what? <laughs> uh, but I also kinda love that there's that idea of what those Sundance movies are like, the mumblecore hipster movies where it's like, Yeah man, like death is like an illusion bro (laughs) (laughs) or the other end where it's like david lynch where everything's like surrealist nightmare (laughs) (laughs) yeah and you'd always have those people who try and figure out what those movies are about even though it's pretty clear cut for most of them yeah it's like oh you know i'm just gonna consider it to be an arty film about the preciousness of life it's like no you idiot that was a movie about dogs who could talk (laughs) you talking about isle of dogs (laughs) (laughs) oh isle of dogs I haven't seen it yet. I did. It was all right. Yeah. 
I saw it the same day as I saw Avengers Infinity War <laughs> and um, A Quiet Place all in one day. And I was like, oh, Isle of Dogs was the coldest movie out of them all. But what a surprise. I have, When I saw that movie, people brought their kids to see it because they thought it's a kid's movie. <laughs> it's not a kid's movie. Literally a dog bites off another dog's ear and spits it out in his face. And kids were crying because their parents oh. left them there. People were like, oh, you're, you're, you're seven and you're nine. You can be fine. And they would leave. But then the kids are crying because they're watching this movie where Jeff Goldblum's character is talking about existential dread. They visit a dead dog skeleton, like That's all hilarious. of this stuff. <laughs> and it's just like, yeah, who would have guessed that the Wes Anderson movie would have would not be for children? Yeah, well, I think our parents hilarious. are becoming more and more divorced from reality, even though we have access to everything. Like the same thing happened with Deadpool. Parents are like, oh, let's go see Deadpool. It's going to be a fun movie. And it's like, holy shit. What Let, is this? Let's go see Avengers Infinity War with my six-year-old. They'll totally understand the nearly three-hour running time and the tragedy of it. <laughs> yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll enjoy it. What about you, Bartek, Sundance? Do you take any credence in any of that? I don't follow any sort of film festival thing whatsoever. Pretty much any time I hear about the festivals, it's just, oh, this film got blah, 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 at blah, blah, blah festival. And it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, I am loving that the Oscars are just lowering the bar more and more for what deserves an Oscar. Yeah, let's give Black Panther an Oscar for Best Picture. <laughs> oh, while we're at it, let's just give Suicide Squad an Oscar for makeup. Let's just, let's just, I can't, I literally can't wait. Like, the fact that Tommy Wiseau got to attend the Oscars <laughs> when the, the Disaster Artist got nominated is hilarious to me, but I literally can't wait for when Cool Cat saves the kids because an Oscar somehow. <laughs> like, when, when, like... Derek Savage comes up there dressed up as a cat and he's like, hey kids, I want an Oscar. Like, I can't wait. Or when, when Adam Sandler wins one for one of his movies. I mean, sometimes he deserves one. Like, <laughs> like when he did like Punch Drunk Love, the Paul Thomas Anderson movie, great performance because Adam Sandler can actually act if, he, but he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to. That's the problem. Yeah, because it same doesn't make him money. <laughs> same with Will Ferrell's effort. Yeah. And same with Will Ferrell, right? Will Ferrell can act, but he just oh. doesn't want to. He just doesn't. He wants to be Will Ferrell race car driver. Will Ferrell... Yeah basketball player will ferrell astronaut like you know will ferrell mark yeah, Wahlberg's my enemy like i mean if, if i was an actor i'd do the same thing yeah, because I just gotta, you, it's the only opportunity you have to be all the professions you would never yeah. be able to do in real life yeah, or like tom cruise and just being whatever you fucking want tom as well. cruise runs i love that guy though <laughs> <laughs> I like, he's the best actor of all time the best Scientology peddler of all time. Oh yeah, him, him, and um, Nancy Cartwright. Yeah. He's totally, he's kind of, has he, does he do it anymore? Yes, he's he does. Kind of he's he's their though. Jesus. Yeah, yeah, but he, he all his money really, goes to them. Yeah, but he doesn't like throw it in people's faces anymore. Does oh he? yeah, he does. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. You just don't pay attention yeah. to it anymore oh, okay. because you're used to it for the last like <laughs> how old is he? Fifty something. Probably. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, no, exactly. I think he's in, yeah late fifties now. Fifties, and he still looks like how he did in Risky Business. Yeah. yeah, I remember in the in the Going Clear documentary, the recent one about Scientology. There's a part where what's what's their term for people that they've like unpersoned like, muggles. No, no, no. <laughs> I, know, I don't. I don't remember. There's, something. there's a term they have for like people they've cut out of their lives. Yeah, like excommunicated, basically. Yeah, they have Murder a term. Victims? Um. No, no, no. They don't. They don't kill them. They just like burn all bridges, all contact. They act like they don't exist. Someone asked him in an interview, like, "Oh, what would happen like if you, if you suddenly, I don't know, did that to Tom Cruise? No, 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 no. If 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 Tom Cruise, they asked this indirectly, like if you." went to a room full of people that have been like, you know, excommunicate or like you've burned the bridges with. And he just like, 
He didn't answer the question. He just pissed himself laughing or something like that. <laughs> I did I too. I can't remember what their term is for it, but it's like, yeah, it's weird. Yeah, Tom Cruise is an interesting fella. He um, is. Like he's a good bad movie. Yeah, with yeah, the Mission Impossible amazing. movies. I love the Mission Impossible movies. They're like my after, favorite. After the third <laughs> one, <laughs> how they realize, you know, these movies are just terrible. Just they are fucking, th- those are like, Terrible triple A movies, I reckon. The second, just the second, the second no trilogy. No one said guilty pleasure in this episode. Since yet. the first, oh, yeah, since the original one, the second trilogy has been the better of the movies because uh, they're just like we're gonna get ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, it's like the, the Fast and Furious mo- movies, right? Where like after five, they just became like. Dwayne Johnson breaks his cast by flexing a muscle. Or, <laughs> That's or, hilarious. Or it's like, hey, you know Kurt Russell? He's one of the coolest guys. Let's make him a nerd. Put him in glasses. He talks about techno babble. And you're like, <laughs> what? Fast and Furious is going in a direction that, you know, remember when it just used to be a bunch of underground street hoodlums who race cars? Now that they have family and stuff. Idris Elba in the latest, the, he's the newest literally movie, getting superpowers. Literally a superhero. Super yeah, villain. How awesome is that? Is, yeah, it's literally about superheroes. And nah. villains. What was the last one? Was Shelly Theron where she controlled all the cars? Mad Max Fury Road. <laughs> no, I love with the Fast and Furious movies, they're very similar to the, the Mario games where eventually you're going to get like Mario Galaxy, you're going to get like <laughs> Furious, <laughs> stuff like rockets furious stuff. Space or something. Like, you know, they're going to, they're literally going to have to go to space so. at this point. I really like, do. The next step logically is for them to go deep sea diving underwater. <laughs> no, they already had yeah. the submarine and stuff. Yeah, but the they need, one, yeah. they need to go to the, the Mariana Trench uh-huh. and find Atlantis. <laughs> yeah. like, like, that's where they need to go first and then build a rocket to fight Martians. <laughs> Like 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 in a race battle though like 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 and and then the Martians learn about what family is. No no, it will be like uh, some terrorist built like some kind of doomsday weapon that's in orbit, but they have to you know go to orbit the disconnected somehow. I love that the idea that a terrorist has built a space station in space for them to blow up. <laughs> yeah, I would love if the that's ter- what it would be. You know it. And I would love if the terrorist was played by like a really respectable actor. Yeah, like, like Jeremy Irons. Is he no, still no, alive? he's not. No, no, Steve Jeremy. Fry. No, no. See, Jeremy Irons doesn't count because he does silly movies like Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> and stuff. And Stephen Fry's a comedic actor, so I would like it if you got someone really out of left field, like someone that you wouldn't expect to be, a, like, like, oh yeah, Joel Edgerton, <laughs> like a, a space base, and he's playing like a cartoon <laughs> version of like a Rupert. Murdoch character. <laughs> yeah. yeah Bouncing back, you just mentioned Dungeons and Dragons. That, that That's is, one of the best. That is up there with one of the best bad movies I've ever seen. Do you remember that one, Kyle? I haven't seen it for a while. I saw it when it first came I out. I have it on DVD. One of my favorite lines is, I'm Demodor. <laughs> and he was the best. Jeremy Irons is a hero because he, he's like Oscar winning actor, but then he would do stuff like. Controlling dragons. Like dragons and dun- Dungeons and Dragons or like. Who just appear like oh, I'll be in a Disney movie? Sure, why not? Or like he just does everything for money. Like I'll be Alfred. Sure, yeah. why not? Like yeah, Batman. The Batman v Superman movie sucks, but I'll be Alfred. I mean, I like money. Again, if I was an actor, I would do the same thing. Like I don't care about haters and stuff. I just it's like every single time I make a movie, these people pay me a shitload of money. Yeah, and I just get it, and it's mine. Yeah. Yeah, and that's when you get to be well-respected actors like Jai Courtney, who's like, yeah, yeah, I'll be Carl Reese in Terminator Genesis. People will be happy with that, won't they? <laughs> yeah, I'll be, I'll be Captain Boomerang in Suicide Squad. I like money. <laughs> <laughs> Let me roll around in it. Yeah, I'll be in the Hungry Games. <laughs> I love games. everyone's favorite franchise. <laughs> Fucking those movies. I was re-watching them recently. 
The first one was pretty good. Second one was pretty good. Then the third one was just her whining. I mean, that's most YA movies. Yeah, they true. whine eventually end or die. When it comes to the when on our show we've covered a lot of movies. There's so many that we love genuinely as movies. Like Bartek genuinely loves a movie called Oscar, mm. which is the Sylvester Stallone comedy movie. And people always go Sylvester Stallone comedy movies. That was bad. Like stop or my mama will shoot you. <laughs> is a great movie. But like you like Oscar Bartek. You like that kind of stuff. But I like one that people I have on my list is good bad movie. But it's the only one I wrote a question mark next yeah, well, to. I like that film too, Ryan. Come on. Thunderpants. 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 The is a movie that yes, and it has like a really low rating on IMDb or on Tomatoes, all that. People genuinely negatively critique it via that, but it's a really funny, well-made movie. It's Ron Weasley, Rupert Grint's second movie. So he went Harry Potter, um, Philosopher's Stone, and then he went Thunderpants, and then he went Chamber of Secrets. And Thunderpants is about a little boy, not Rupert Grint. Um, who is born with two stomachs, so he farts a lot, and he's literally born farting out of the womb. <coughs> he shoots across the hospital, and the doctor has to catch him like he's catching a football. <laughs> <laughs> and the movie then flashes forward eventually, and it all takes place in one week, and it's like astronauts are stuck in space. It's maybe set in the 1960s, and this boy has to fuel a NASA rocket with his farts. Whoa. And there's a bunch of stuff in between. And I genuinely think that movie's really well made, really well done, really well acted, really, really funny. And even other podcasts have had their, it's good movie, bad movie, and they do Thunderpants. It's bad movie, but everyone sits going, it's actually really entertaining. It's really smart, well written. And then they'll go, but it's still bad. And I'm like, but they never go into why it's bad because it's <laughs> genuinely doing what Bartek said earlier. It has something it set out to do and it did it. So is it really a bad movie? And this one I say no because it actually looks good at least. Like Hentai Carmen <laughs> looks cheap. <laughs> that's why I go, eh, it's a bit bad. But like Thunderpants, that's worth checking out. Like you got Rupert Grint as the mad oh. scientist who invents Thunderpants. <laughs> that fuels his farts. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we we talked about that also in our QA episode, which you guys asked a question for. Thank yeah. you very much. Thanks. Um, yeah, yeah. We, we were talking about the the films that are on our show that we think are the best, and that was up there with uh, that was the top one. The runner up, <laughs> I think, was uh, Down with Love. And the movie I quote the most, probably from our episodes, and that's a good bad movie, is Cruel Intentions. <laughs> oh, Sarah Michelle Gellar. It has one of my favorite lines. <laughs> <laughs> Bartek, you need to take it because I always quote this at you. You remember what my favorite line of Cruel Intentions is? Of course I remember. Is? Yeah, yeah. I wanna fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Just Sarah Michelle Gellar being like, I wanna fuck. <laughs> and then that movie also is like, also Reese Witherspoon's a virgin. You just have to take that at its word. Yeah, nah. <laughs> yeah, nah. And she looks like, you know, like 24-year-old Reese Witherspoon. And he's like, she's a virgin, by the way. You have to make that stop. And I'm like, sure, sure, so sure. Ryan, where do we begin with Stardust? Yeah, we watch a lot of crap movies on our monthly show. Yeah. We watched this movie yeah. called Stardust, not the one that has Robert De Niro in it, but yeah. another movie about a vacuum cleaner that comes to life. But don't worry, that has nothing to do with the movie. Oh. The movie is, in fact, about nothing. <laughs> and um, it's, it looks like it's been edited by someone who did ads for Nickelodeon cartoon shows. <laughs> you remember how it's they from, were? like, 1998. It's all crazy. That movie's insane. But, yeah, we watch a lot. So I think well, the thing I got to ask you guys is 
what is it about these good, bad movies and B movies that make us enjoy them? And sometimes watch them more so than actual good movies. Like, I have watched The Room more than I have Casablanca. What is that? Very good question. I reckon it's the effort people put into them. Or lack of? (laughs) Yeah, No, not just lack of. Like, these people real Like, you can tell they've really tried to do something. Mm. (laughs) Like, you can just kind of tell. You're like, oh, like, with The Room. He's really tried to do something, like you said before. Like he, he's doing, he got two yeah. cameras. Yeah, yeah he's got two cameras, but um, movie. he's got um the idea, and he just wanted to do it, kind of thing. Yeah. and he's set out to do that, like American Dream thing, or his envisionment of the American Dream, <laughs> and it comes across very well in it. And I mean, I just yeah, I think yeah, he had he had a portion of the American Dream in him, <laughs> fell out back into money somehow, <laughs> and could spend something like out of his own personal savings. All his money went into that movie. A lot of his money. Oh, yeah, he's probably Endless still a lot. pit of money, yeah, apparently. Which no one knows how he got it. Which is great and um, scary. Yeah, <laughs> what else, Kyle? It's also the stories behind the films themselves, like how they oh, got yeah. made, like the people making them and yeah. everything like that, that just make the whole film. Like, because if you watch these films just <coughs> on their own, you're like, oh. Yeah, sometimes it's hard to watch some of these yeah. on your own as well. Like, yeah. yeah, you watch them with a group, it's so much more entertaining. Yeah. yeah, Like, if I watched a movie called Love on a Leash by myself, which is a movie that decided bravely not to have a musical score, so oh. when music's there, it's just dead silence. Um, I don't know if I could have gone all the way through it, but watching it with a group of people and you watch it and people are laughing yeah. so hard, it makes you and laugh. And you have that banter and, and everything as well. You're like, oh, well. <laughs> talking about the movie yeah that's what makes these b-grade shit films yeah, great it, it breaks that that rule of like you know guys let's just be quiet and watch the film like you're you saw you you're you're commentating over it as well like i remember with that one it starts off like dead silence and oh some like asking like right and it also it's a good thing to have like at least one person who like knows the film even if they haven't Yo. seen it because we like turned to Ryan, it's like Ryan, is, is the sound working? And I just went, oh yeah. <laughs> Ryan's like, and it's like very ominous, like oh Ryan, you you know something's going on, so we're bracing ourselves, and then and then you see music composers credited, and you're like, wait a moment, okay, and then yeah. I'm like, and I just point and go, hold on to that, guys. <laughs> and then then the thing happens, and we all piss ourselves laughing. Yeah, which is the audio <laughs> drops in, so dead silence for a minute, and then the dog says. Hey, I'm a dog. And then when you're like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think I'd agree with Kyle on that sense. I think some of these guys have tried so hard and mm. they just, they, they know they want to be a movie maker. Yeah. Know? And, you know, you don't have as much money as these big guys who are literally doing this as a business. Mm. I mean, they may have artistic direction, but they have about a team of probably hundreds of people of yeah. whatever these guys have. It'd be one guy doing the artistic placements, the directing, the lighting, you know, it's like they're trying to Robert Rodriguez without being <laughs> Robert Rodriguez. Yeah, he made like his first movie with like two grand or something, like 200 yeah. pesos. Yeah, and sometimes you can get it really right. Like you've got someone who made Paranormal Activity, yeah. $10,000 budget, made over a hundred and something million dollars within its first week. Yeah, Blair Witch. Yeah. Blair Witch. And these people, I think that's when you get your smart filmmakers because they find a way to make it and make it more gripping. Not just that. It, like I was thinking about it, someone just here now, right here, and it's a lot different to compared, say, like books or music with something, something like that. If you suck as a musician, can't really make a good bad song. Really, I don't think you uh, can. Can uh, could you? 
Like <laughs> I understand we're like <laughs> yeah, it's harder. Pop it's songs harder it's because they're shorter. Harder. There's less yes. to kind of um, deconstruct because yeah. when you're watching a movie, even if you don't know movies, you can know when you look at a bad actor, you can go, oh, that delivery is bad. <laughs> or yeah. if a shot's not in focus. Yeah. But with the music, you kind of like we're not as generally knowing of what goes wrong musically. Yeah. Like we don't know, like oh, that was a wrong note. Like I can't tell you what a wrong note is yeah. unless it's obvious. Film yeah. has a lot of production elements that yes. you're constantly and looking that's what, at, and you can visually see that you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> I remember. I remember with the snowman. One of the moments that sticks out for me was the part where main guy gets Harry Hole. Harry Hole gets home and he throws his key on the table. You know, it's simple, but the the sound editing or was it mixing or editing? mixing I guess. sound mixing made the the crash sound, the clang of it hitting the table so loud that all four of us that were watching the film <laughs> jumped up like, out jumped, of our like, seats. We, like oh my god! Like it was we saw him throw the keys and it's like okay, it's about to hit the table. It hits the table. It's so loud and we all freak out. Like, or, oh, the, shit. or there's a scene where they're standing outside talking, but you can barely hear them because you hear the pigeons <laughs> louder, and you're like, wait, what? I I love how innocent you guys are though. You're like, oh, I like. B movies and these bad movies because they tried and they might have yeah. failed. Me, I'm going to admit it. I love it because I love watching people fucking fail. <laughs> it makes me feel so much better about myself. It makes me feel smug and I like feeling <laughs> that. I love seeing bad plays. I love seeing bad movies. <laughs> and then you talk about them afterwards and you get so much conversation and sometimes... Talking about bad movies, genuinely bad movies or good bad movies, makes you understand the art form that you're talking about so much better. Because if you're talking to someone else or you're thinking about it, like, why did this fail? What did they do wrong here? It makes you appreciate the actual yeah. art oh, form Oh, you're totally right with more. that. Actually, yeah. And that's kind of what I love mm. about them. Like, when I see The Room, I don't look at Tommy Wiseau and go, oh, what a pioneer. Like, he oh, tried. No, he, we, he went out there and tried to make a movie good for him. No, I think about he's an insane European guy who has absolutely no idea what he was doing and he thought he was making something great and it turned around and bit him on the ass and we're all laughing. I'm laughing at him and at his movie. And same with a lot of these. Some movies, there are ones where I go, this is actually a great movie if you could just remove the, the, the bad budget or the incompetence. Like, I'd like to see some of these movies remade by real filmmakers, but then you have ones where you go, no, leave it as it is. <laughs> it, it, leave Samurai Cop the way it is. It, it goes both ways, though, because like if you to talk about Troll 2, for example, you could have that with the directors, like, oh, they didn't know what they were doing. But then with the actors, you're like, oh, you know, they're putting they're putting their all into it. They've got a lot of heart behind their performances, mm. even if it's, you know, not so great. Yeah, but I also still laugh at them because <laughs> they're in this movie and, like, they might have put in some oh, of right. it, but they didn't know what they were doing and I still laugh at it. That's True, why, I, laugh, but if that's why I still laugh at Ewan McGregor. Ewan McGregor knew how to act, but I still laugh at him <laughs> because it doesn't uh, you failed it's a failure like yeah. Ewan McGregor's acting objectively isolated on its own is great acting but in the context of the film and what it is it's hilarious to see him crying tears <laughs> of emotions for Anakin Skywalker <laughs> like what <laughs> and then him being like Padme she died of a broken heart you're like oh. <laughs> 
like I don't like the actors. I feel sorry for them on some level, but at the same time, there are some that you look at them and you go, "They thought they were doing a really good job here," yeah. <laughs> and you can't well, help but laugh. Well, at I them. bring I bring up Troll too because I've seen Best Worst Movie, and <gasps> they've all talked about how, like, yeah, this was a really weird production. <laughs> yeah, George Hardy especially. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but um, these movies. Yeah, I, I just watch them sometimes more than real good than actual good movies because sometimes when you watch a good movie, you kind of walk away and go, "Well, oh, that was a really great movie." You can't really. Sometimes you you're limited in what you can actually think about them and say about them. You're like, "What can I say about Casablanca? What can I say about Citizen Kane? Yeah. What can I think about?" But then sometimes I'll be on my own and I'll think about, "I did not hit her. It's bullshit. Yeah. I did not." <laughs> and you're like, <laughs> you're like you, you sometimes <laughs> see those articles on the internet, like, "Oh, people who watch bad movies." tend to be smarter and just, you know, there's a lot of those kind of baity things it's like oh yeah tag my friends in this see my bad habit makes me better but there, there <laughs> it's, is, just, it's just the ether <laughs> trying to normalize people yeah, but there is some kind of truth to the the watching bad films because it does generate a lot more discussion mm-hmm. yeah, it's like oh, what definitely. does this film do well this this and this what does this film do badly this because blah 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 yeah. separates the men from the boys what does the room do well, correctly? Well, it, it, they did have a camera on. Yeah, two. <laughs> the the cam- worst is when a movie just isn't bad or isn't good. <laughs> I reckon. Yeah, yeah the when, road. when yeah. you walk away and you're like, like I watched uh, nothing. Yeah. That, that was, was me with Batman v Superman. I yep. remember seeing it and I remembered I got annoyed at points, but overall it just drains you. You're like... Yep. When a movie drains you because it's so mind-numbing, that's yeah. the worst. That that's you just do not care. You're like... I, I can't hate these guys because I don't really care. <laughs> that was <laughs> like, me with Bird Box. I nothing mm. in that film. I mean, it was nothing. See, I mentioned Snowman before. That one rides the line of that because yeah. Snowman, you can't not enjoy it without... Like, you can't enjoy it not knowing the behind the scenes. Like, if you watch it knowing that this is a mystery thriller that's adapted from the seventh book in a series of <laughs> Dutch books that has been produced by Martin Scorsese, directed by the guy who did Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, and they weren't allowed to film 25% of it, you just watch it and you just go, what was that? I don't know why I did this. It was boring. <laughs> they reveal who the killer is and you're like, sure, why not? I don't care. Well, the, uh, our friend <laughs> our friend Oliver, his story was that... Uh, he went to see it, right? Yeah, he, he went to see it not knowing what it was about. So he, In the cinema. In the cinema. I think... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he was in Queensland and they had cheap cinema prices or something. Um, and yeah, he just basically sat there like wondering, what the hell is this? <laughs> and then when when he told us about it, you told him all the stories about, you know, what was wrong with the production and it all made sense to him. But yeah, the ones that drain you, you just like, and make you go, why did I care? Why did I see yeah. this? Those are the worst. Like, yeah, like I, there are very few movies that actually make me angry. Um, but I do talk about those movies much more. Like oh, I yeah. hate Star Trek Into Darkness. I have a yeah. fiery passion. I could make a fourteen fourteen series. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Every few months, Ryan makes Facebook status like just a reminder that Star Trek Two Into Darkness still sucks. Yeah, yeah. And and then, I could make a f- yeah, but you also live in a world where the Orville actually exists. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's uh, awesome. And stuff like that. I, you know, those movies. There are movies that make me angry. Like, like I could talk for years about how I hate The Fountain with Hugh Jackman. I hate yeah, that movie. Yeah, I but, like talking about movies that I hate. But then, <laughs> but then you go, then you go, like, oh yeah, Man of Steel. Yeah. I mean, they punched people. T- they killed a bunch of people. Like, yeah, they killed a bunch of people at the end because they didn't think about saving people. But then you think. 
There was also that flashback with his dad where they talked about a pickup truck. <laughs> I'm just, I'm, I'm, they, I can barely keep up the really energy need to, to talk about they it. They really need to do the, uh, with the Superman movies, I really want them to do the Injustice storyline. Everyone does, everyone oh, does. But the problem is, you know, you, you know why they can't. Why? The way to do that and the way to do any of those things in terms of how we do them now in terms of films you need to build a rapport with the general audience and Superman so that when he does flip, you care. Mm. Mm. But the problem is they don't know how to do that with Superman. They don't know how to make you care. They don't know how to build that point up. So like, say, Marvel, whether you like him or not, when Civil War happened or when Avengers happened or when Avengers Infinity War happened, you, you cared because you knew who these people were, you knew what they were about. So when they're fighting each other or dying or slaying all this stuff you care mm. but if you just did oh injustice movie on its own no one would be like that's like that's not how superman is and they'll be confused and walk away yeah, and yeah, like, I but, but fans wanted right we yeah. all want to see superman be about us i would like to see the red sun storyline where he grew up in soviet russia oh that but would be amazing we'll, we'll never get we'll never get that because instead yeah. we're going to get aquaman going yeah and they'll make like 50 gajillion dollars <laughs> instead be awesome if uh, after they do all this uh in uh this justice league stuff that they turn around and do the injustice thing because yeah, lois lane dies or whatever i would and then be but lois is the be, key according yeah. to batman v superman yeah well, that's the whole thing <laughs> i mean it would it, it'd be great um <laughs> all right so guys where would people start would they start from the beginning if they wanted to listen to you guys show or do you have a perfect starting point? Uh, you can start anywhere. Uh, if you've seen the movie, it's a good point. A good One start. question for you guys. Since you guys are pro and good, bad movies and stuff, before we go on to that ending part, if people aren't into good, bad movies, where do you think they should start? See, that's what I thought the next yeah, question was. Yeah, that's what was. I thought he was going <laughs> to ask <laughs> as well. Bad sorry, sorry, I cut like, in there. What's a good, bad, movie? In there. What's a good yeah. bad movie to start with? Yeah. It's The Room. It's yeah. always the room. The room is pretty solid. Like we said, it's on a tier of its own. It it pretty much hits all the points. Do you think that's too good to start off with, though? No. And then people build up an expectation. They're like, oh. No, because it's here's why it's different to the other ones, right? Uh. Troll 2, Samurai Cop, Plan 9 from Outer Space, all these. They all hit the we're making a genre movie. The room is really the only one that just tries to be a drama. And fails. <laughs> like, like that's why I think it stands out. Like, you could watch that and then watch the others and be like, okay, fine. Like, because it is different enough from from the rest in terms of its actual story. Like, it's mm. just a drama. Yeah. And also, obviously, not everyone will be able to have this. But if you could have like the sort of initiator, like someone who's sort of familiar with the film, to like help guide you, guide yeah. you in a way. It's like, oh yeah, yeah, this just happened or whatever like that. That's always a really strong thing. Um, yeah, just. F- loving the concept after seeing the room, you maybe you'll never see anything as great as the room. Like there's there's stuff out there, but like you'll you'll start to I I think you'll start to to see what these good bad films mm. are all about. And then maybe Samurai Cop is a very overt <laughs> one. That one's very eighties. The music's very over the top. The acting's very over the top. It's literally called Samurai Cop. So you know what you're getting into. Bartek, when he first saw it, he said to me, oh, is this a genuine one? Or one of those mm. ones like, you know, Sharknado where they're on purposely trying to replicate one of those. And then you go, no, no, it's real. <laughs> yeah, learning If you can learn about the behind the scenes of these things too, that's always a pretty good plus. Like The Room has the book The Disaster Artist, which is fantastic. <laughs> I think a really good bridging point for those is um, Mystery Science Theatre. Oh, yeah. To yeah, get yeah, people yeah. used to these kind of films. Yeah. Really, that goes way far back. 
Python riff tracks and whatnot. Yeah. Riff tracks and um, it's essentially what you guys do at the same time. Is oh well, well we talk about great movies. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, but I mean the Speed Racer. Riff tracks. I, speed I racer. haven't really seen too much of it, but I'm not super into the riff track style because I I, I kind of see it as like oh react. It's like the reaction. Yeah, to we we on our show we just mainly commentate about the movie itself in general. We don't do like just a quick fire gag of what's happening on screen. We we give the commentary of our views, what we've experienced, if we have a history, what we've picked up from the movie, the themes, we break it all down. We introduce Anyone, the concept of our show at the beginning of every yeah, episode. Yeah, you can start from any point. Basically, if you've seen the movie or heard of it, that's a good point. Me, personally, my favorite episode of our own show is our episode on the 2014 film Annie, mm. the <laughs> one with... Uh, Cameron Diaz and Jamie Foxx. Black yeah. Annie. <laughs> Blanny. <laughs> and mine is Entrapment. Entrapment. And sure, yeah. And but it, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like how you immediately like, that oh, that's Sean Connery movie. Yep. Yeah, yeah, indeed, indeed. Uh, but yeah. Well, some listening person's like, Entrapment? I don't know what that movie is. And then you say Sean Connery. It's like, oh, the one with Captain, uh, Ca- uh, Captain, Captain Zeta, Zeta Jones, Jones yeah. dodging lasers. How, yeah. Very oh, sexually. Lasers. <laughs> and there's no actual lasers in the movie. In, in terms of if you want to get into our content or experience our content as a bridge from this episode uh the mystery box mm-hmm. links more strongly like our episode on stardust like i i told i, I mentioned to ryan like before like where do we start with stardust <laughs> the whole episode basically with mystery box we kind of go through the entire film and just everything about it mm. in a way it's, we sort of summarize the films but we discuss everything yeah. and um yeah and or we have a really good episode on what is considered a good bad movie. We didn't even talk about it. Vampire's Kiss, the oh, one where yeah. Nicolas Cage makes the face, <laughs> the, 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 and he does the you whole alphabet A B C D. We have a really good in-depth discussion on how that movie for us doesn't really go into the good bad movie, and how it's actually a genuinely compelling, frightening. And we have the same guest as the Stardust episode. So um, yeah, you can just start anywhere with us, really. Awesome. Where can everyone find you? Um. For future, oh, uh, we well, our podcast is on all the podcasting platforms, you know, Spotify, iTunes, all that, and um, you can find us under Spit and Polish Presents, yep. and same on social media. We're just on Facebook and Twitter. We don't have the Instagram or the MySpace, <laughs> or the Bebo, <laughs> or the Live Journal, <laughs> <laughs> or the Tumblr. <laughs> yeah, and we have a uh, YouTube as well. It's all Spit and Polish Presents. You'll find us easily. Mm. So or, and you can add my name there because my name's pretty distinct. Well, Bartek. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, we're under just all that and you'll find us dead easy and um, yeah. Awesome. Well, I'll pop some back page links on our episode guide as yeah, well. Yeah, I mean, just we even, we even had, yeah. yeah. We had you on a show. Yes, Red yeah. State. We had you, Nick. Yeah, I will. Was able to go too much you, you, at the time. You, Carl would love to be on the show. Sometime. I would definitely. Alrighty, then. love to have you. Yeah, love to honest. have you. Brady Bunch movie, it is. Oh <laughs> yes, I would love that film. That is the best. Fuck it yeah. is. So yeah, we can be found anywhere. Yeah. Cool. What are you pointing at me for? What are we doing? Oh, we're we're doing the outro. Are we? Yeah. Hey guys, right. I'm dumb fancy dinosaurs. <laughs> right for the outro time. <laughs> we we can do the outro if you want. <laughs> it's all that good. them host buttons. Right, okay. <laughs> okay, guys. I was Carl. You're one of your hosts from Dem Fancy Dinosaurs. Here with Nick. Pointing at me <laughs> in a non-visual medium doesn't really also help. A really With weak, me, a really, guy. a really weak point as well. Like yeah. really lamely, like, like if you yeah, point really high, I didn't want to say anything, but there was a lot of pointing this episode. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, and I was of course Nick, and with us was Spit and Polish presents. And guys, it's been wonderful to have you on. I'm so glad you came. 
Thank you. Mm, I'm glad I yeah, came it was too. Awesome. A real pleasure. Fantastic. You know, it's really good to have more Aussie podcasters around. And, Australia. Uh, Mates, not Australia. Australia. Australia, mate. Australia. I'm Polish. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Podcast in Australia. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But yeah, you can hit us up on questions.yourwelcome at gmail.com if you have any questions for the show or for us in particular. And you can can get to us on Twitter at themfancy, Instagram at themfancy, and whatever else you like looking up smash on that like button <laughs> smash that like button smash and that subscribe don't button. forget to rate and review us on itunes if you like itunes mm. because every single time you give us a five stars like nine men in minivans come and give us one <laughs> give us one what star <laughs> just one Oh, okay. They Just all a come singular in our house. star. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've given these guys a review. What's your excuse at home, <laughs> yeah, listening people? Know, right? mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, because uh, reviews really do help us um, get exposed, especially on iTunes, because there's so many <laughs> damn fancy dinosaurs exposed. Batman unmasked. But yeah, thanks guys. It's been wonderful. Yeah, Have definitely. A Thank you very much. Week and bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>